This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. This Flyperbole brought to you by Adam Oats Milk. Unfortunately, this product is never good in the city of Philadelphia. Anytime, anywhere. Flyers hockey after July. I guess Chicago is, you know, I've been <laughs> searching my soul to try and find the, the anthem for anytime, anywhere, the Flyers uh, slogan for this playoff run, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. I guess it's, it, it's no go jackets. No, what were your term was the good one? Hell yeah. Hell yeah was the only other one that I think any other team actually put effort into. Yeah. The Coyotes have hell, hell yeah. Instead of hell yeah. That's about it's it. <laughs> it's the only good one. It's the only good one, and it's a shame that it's probably only going to last for another round. Yeah, it was probably another round, but uh, not uh, anytime, anywhere. Hopefully, is going to stick. Uh, stick around the postseason for a minute, uh, Stephen. Yeah, and uh, I, yeah, mean, I guess so. I guess so. I hope so. I mean, after last night, uh, I get. How are you feeling after last night's game? I'm happy with the win. It's the playoffs. Uh, I'm not. I went into that game with a full head of steam. Flyered the fuck up. Flyer die time. I was I was all ready to fly, and I was feeling pretty meh after. There you go. I was gonna say I think that's what it was. Everybody was pretty jacked up as we should have been, and uh, I, I mean they, that was I think everything. The bandwagon got pretty heavy for a few minutes, and then it seemed like you know, it got the, a little the light. second period happened. <laughs> People hopped off. Yeah, people hopped right off. They're just like, ooh, I'm just going to see myself out. Is that cool? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know if people actually did that, but man, that was a rough ass second it period. Was. The Montreal Canadiens really friggin' took it to the Flyers. And if it wasn't for our lovely, darling baby boy, our precious baby boy, Carter Hart, I mean, he's a 22 year old man today. Happy birthday, Carter Hart. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, friend of the show, Sam. It's and Bobby Clark, Bobby Clark's Bobby birthday Clark too. Apparently. Yeah, everybody's birthday today. Apparently, all the people we like. So, all the all the people we like, but it's it, Carter Hart last night with one of the best goaltending efforts I have seen from a Flyers goaltender in the playoffs in a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was uh, again maybe not a ton of spectacular saves, but uh, the Canadians were dictating that game for a while there. The second period for the Flyers only gave up one goal, which Again, like Carter Hart only has one shout out shutout in his career. Where did I put these notes? Uh, he has a bunch of like one goal games though. So like he, uh, what was it? His twenty fourth career game where he played most of the game and only allowed one goal against. Uh, and he still only has that one shutout. But like the goal last night was an unscreened one time Shea Weber slap shot that he gave up a rebound for. And then it took a weird bounce in front and went right back to Weber for an open net. Like there was, there's no way if that's the way the Canadians are going to figure out how to score in this series. I like, I, I have a lot of confidence. I think Carhartt's going to be fine. And he's still on his head in this, this game. This is a, that game last night. It should be another reason why, even though the second period wasn't a lot of fun and it was kind of a lot 
more up and down and inconsistent than we thought. Hard can steal games too. It's not just price stealing games for the Canadians. So this is something where everything kind of went the Canadians' way last night, and Hart came up big and limited the Montreal and limited Montreal to one goal, and the Flyers get a win out of it. So I, he he was he played really really well last night. Unfortunately, didn't have the save of the game, but I don't think anybody's. I, that might be the save of the play. I mean, that was honestly. a freak accident. Like that yeah. shouldn't have happened. Oh, the carry price and, save? Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, that was unbelievable. But yeah. th- that's what we've always said about Carter Hart. That's what we've always heard about Carter Hart is that he's not the flashiest goalie. He's not always the guy who's going to make the spectacular save. What he's good at is making himself, putting himself in the right position. Mm-hmm. Uh, make you know, he's a student of the game. He's somebody who picks the right angles, and that's how he's successful. And he was doing that all night like his rebound control was great he was freezing the puck every chance he got and he was just the anticipation was off the charts i mean i've watched a shit ton of hockey so far these playoffs it's been fantastic having hockey all day i love it i want it every year but it's you see a lot of goalies right you see a lot of different goaltending styles and like I'm looking at you, Peter Morazic, right now, Mr. Overcommit to one side, which is the winning Holy goal shit. that Boston scored yeah. on him. Look, I that was a Peter Morazic Philly special that he used to let up here all the time. Yeah. He would just overcommit to one side and the guy's just shooting to the other side of the net that he was coming from. <laughs> that was the worst, yeah. That was so that was the worst angle I think I've ever seen in double overcome too. But yeah. But you see shit like that, you see like I mean, Robin Lanner's been really good for Vegas and he was great for the Islanders last year and he was really good for Chicago earlier this year but just seeing him like lose track of the puck while it's in back of the net in this game we're watching right now the Vegas Knights and the Chicago Blackhawks which is a, a really good game I mean it's just something that Carter Hart does that is just so underrated and so great to see he's just keeping track of that puck he knows where it's at and he's putting himself in the right position to make that save. Yeah, and I think that's a big – you're right. That is the big reason why he maybe won't get as talked about as much nationally, or it may not feel like he's called upon to do a lot, but he does have a similar – it's kind of like Braden Holpe, where it's just all about being – just getting centered to the puck, and if a shot is going in, it's probably because the guy had a pretty good shot or he just happened to get – like it's really more based on a better shot or like a fluke thing happening up front than you not being in position. Not really applies to Hopi now after watching some of the goals in yesterday's game. But that's what Hart's been that's what he's been doing well all season. And going back to that Weber goal, he was squared and centered on that shot. And that was a pass that was going across the ice from high to like not really high to low, but like high to low a little bit. And he still was able to square up to it and got the Weber shot. It was just a weird rebound in front. So there weren't yeah, there weren't many times last night where you're like, well, Hart was lucky that puck didn't go in. It was. It's always more, when you're watching, it's kind of more, are the Flyers going to give him help and get the puck out of there and not really hard meets? You know, he's not feeling it right now. I don't know. Though less yeah. puck handling is ideal for him, but he... No. Well, you know that Carter Hart is a great admirer of Braden Holpe because he's got Ray Emery on his helmet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Braden loves that, yeah. <laughs> But uh, I get hard. I look pretty good, in my opinion. I thought he played pretty well last night. Uh, pretty well. I thought he was fantastic. Good, yeah. I thought that's he's, he's doing okay. Yeah, he's he's average. Oh, Craig, <laughs> he's one of Just trying to take all the wind out of my sails he, here. No, I am on the USS Carter Hart, and it is <laughs> going at whatever fast you know for boats is. No, 
They many knots. They needed him, and he came through. And hopefully, uh, he came through. I mean, when was the last time you saw? Was it Neuwirth against the the Capitals? The last time a Flyers goalie like oh in the post really stood on his head like that in the postseason? I mean, I mean, yeah, uh, that was. Yeah, that's mainly because the other series, I mean, that was game five of the Flyers' second-to-last series. So the other series was the Penguin series in 2018, which, uh, you know, no. <laughs> yeah, nothing happened. Elliot gave that's up the nicest thing I can say about that series, yeah. is that the, it was a shit show. Yeah, it was, it was gross, and there was no uh, there was no help in that. But also, you said something about like Robin Lehner and looking at the goals that Lehner and Crawford gave up in this series. There's been... Like, or at least the goals today, there's just a lot of, like, not backslide help by the defense. Like, there's just goals that the goalies can't really do anything about. It's just uh, somebody on the other team is just able to sneak around far side and nobody's covering the pass for them. So, I think that... Were you thinking about that Strom goal? Because I, I literally goal, that was flashing all my TV as you were talking about that, and Strom was just completely undefended yep, and tapped that and, in. And that tied up, that came after Stone's goal, which was literally just the other thing, where Stone was standing on the other side of the net. And I forget who flung a pass into his chest, and I just poked it in because he was wide open. And Crawford just threw up his hand. And we are <laughs> Crawford threw up his hand. Like, I can't defend that. <laughs> Come on, guy, you're killing me, guys. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we're not talking about Flyers prospect Matthew Strom here because no. this Strom is skating, and as we know, Matthew Strom he just doesn't know how to skate. Yeah, we're talking about ice hockey, and uh, these guys all have their skates on, and they can all move. Uh, so I, yeah, not really, not, not Matthew Strom. Sorry, Kurt. I know that's going to be floor Kurt's... hockey is great at. But it's... <laughs> Ice, not not so much. Yeah, he's leading the Great Flyers floor so. hockey uh, prospect team in goal scoring. He's got a hundred <laughs> goals in fifty games. <laughs> so, it's sign me up, sell me tickets for that. I'm there. <laughs> they gonna do trial on the aisle? Oh God, I hope so. Shit, shit the. Uh, oh come on, what's not the beach, but the. I'll, I'll figure it out. Shit I got, the beach. Yeah, we'll go with shit the beach. We'll just say shit. The beach. It was shit the beach. No, it was shit the, the beach. Shit no, the I, was beach. Thinking, I was trying to think of something else for floor hockey though, but I can't think of anything that. Uh, yeah, I can't. Th- I, I'm, a, you know, I got nothing, Steve. I'm just gonna go back to talking about stats real quick. Well, let's just talk about some real street puck. Let's <laughs> talk about the Mighty Ducks too, and the knuckle puck. No, let's talk about this first game in the Flyers Canadian series. So, since we last spoke, I don't, I don't. I mean, we did a forecast, right? But mm-hmm. maybe, you know, not, maybe not everybody listens to the forecast. But the the Flyers playing the Montreal Canadiens, they're up one nothing in the series. A tense game last night, tight I'm game. Too sloppy game at times yeah. oh yeah no it was it was a sloppy game the second period so i think we i know... hope you like an extra sloppy <laughs> lady you're scaring us uh so i think like going into the series a new montreal speed was going to be a huge like issue for the flyers or not an issue but that's their strength and shot volume going both ways just an end-to-end type of game uh, so the Canadians can use their speed and transition. That's kind of the game the Canadians want to play. And that's really what happened last night. And the Flyers, I like the speed kind of knocked them off a little bit because it felt like a, a lot of people outside of like Fair being the second pair just were making bad decisions with the puck, which I think is in turn because they had less time to think and react with the puck or get in the position for a passing lane. Now, if that's truly how fast Canadians are and how – I guess like freaked out the flyers are going to be by it. And it looks like that in game two as well. Then the speed's going to be a bigger issue than everybody thought. And this series might be a little bit closer. Montreal looked 
fast. No, they are like, fast. They all really they're fast. all they and, are is small little piss ants that like can skate like the wind. Like all their four and Shea Weber, who is basically the mountain from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like all their four are just small dudes that can skate, and their defense is just like big, like bigger physical guys, pretty much. Like like Shea Weber basically killed JVR last night. Like a bus hit JVR. Him. Yeah, and like Weber was thrown. That was out. a vicious hit. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> but it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't illegal at all. It was just like it was just like if that was a flyer. If Shea Weber was a flyer there and laid that hit out, like that would be replayed on every montage for the next decade. <laughs> I was going to say, we would have let the podcast off of it. Yeah. No, that was a huge hit. And like, like he was the getting... flyers would have some shitty newer rock song going to it. Like, Hey, fight. <laughs> yeah. Fight. <laughs> some guy, some guy at the Philadelphia website. She's like, Hey, is a, uh, did saliva put out a new song? All right. We're going to put it in this. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're, we're putting it right in there yeah puddle of mud yeah whatever they got we're gonna put it right in there woof but it uh but and he was throwing his weight around and Sherrod is a bigger dude and Petrie is a bigger guy but that's what they the Canadians completed a lot of what they wanted to do last night and again that doesn't sound great but everything kind of went the Canadians way and they never let they still lost two to one and like when they tied the game, they blew it instantly because the Flyers went out and did what they wanted to do one of the few times in the entire game. Charlie was Charlie pointed yes. it out, like how like through the game that the Canadians pretty much, and he said in his season preview that the Canadians in the transition game they like to carry the puck into the zone and kind of force teams to dump it in when they're entering their defensive zone, which works to the Flyers because on their forecheck they do a lot of dumping, just dumping it and then attacking in the chase, but. The Canadians kind of forced the Flyers into, uh, like, Canadians could enter the offensive zone at will pretty much last night, and the Flyers were trying to carry the carry the puck into the zone, which they're not as comfortable doing, or it's not really part of their plan because they're better at the forechecking angle, which is what happened on the second goal. So, like, that stuff plays into the speed game as well. Like, that helps Montreal a lot. Special teams, the Canadians got a goal on special teams, and even though the Flyers got one, like, that was – if they're breaking even on special teams, that's beneficial to the Canadians as well. I mean, it's positive the Flyers got a goal on the power play finally against Montreal, but like uh, again, breaking even on special teams goes the Canadians' way, and uh, and Nate Thompson missed a wide open net. <laughs> Nate Thompson missed oh a wide open God. net, and Carey Price maybe had the save of the playoffs already. So like those two things, even with everything that went the wrong way, like the Flyers could have still been up four to one in that game. You know, like four to one oh, net yeah. is not a crazy jump to conclusion. Like the the Canadians hit a couple posts, but yeah. the Flyers hit. Let's see, Giroux hit a post. Giroux hit a post. Yeah, Scott Lawton had one of the like. That's not a okay, post, but so like, let's just break down this entire sequence here. It's, yeah, we're basically I because I, the entire I think everybody at home sat up from their couch when this happened and said, "How the hell did that puck not go in?" So, what the fuck? <laughs> Nobody understood what happened. I got so many texts coming in going like, "How did that not go in? I don't understand." Bill Clement, I love having the Flyers broadcast for the first few playoff games. <laughs> it's a shame I can't get this the entire time. Bill Clement just took it to Scotty Lawton for the next like 4 minutes on the broadcast. It probably wasn't that long, but he's just like I don't know why he has to wind up for the... So there's the scrum out front. Carey Price is out of position. The puck is sitting there. Scott Lawton comes right up in the middle. Puck is there, basically on a tee, waiting, saying, Scotty, Scott Lawton, Scooty Lutz, just fire me into the net. Send me home. Bring me to my home. Back's and Scott Lawton winds go. up. 
And, like, he's in the hardest shot competition and fires the fuck away. Carey Price somehow, somehow gets his stick up and just barely deflects that puck off into the into the air. It, it was, it, number one, when you saw it in real time, you thought, okay, it must have just gone off one of the Canadians or he just fucking missed it. Scott yeah. Lawton just took a swing and completely whiffed. But Lawton was, it was going to go into the net, but Carey Price just managed ever so slightly to deflect that puck with his stick from the ice. Like it's sprawling. Like I couldn't believe it. Desperation. And it, I mean, Carey Price, he's one of the best for a reason. Uh, You know, he he got his naps in. He was ready to go, but (laughs) you know, I mean, Clement's point was why did Scott Lawton have to wind up and take the hardest shot possible? Just get that puck wristed in call it a day yeah well i mean like uh, yeah i mean I, I mean it was a very like intense sequence so i i do kind of get why lawton's like all right just also, fuck it at the same <laughs> just, time though i'm also not really blaming on lawton because he did lace a fucking rocket top shelf and carry pushes through a stick out there and got it wasn't like i don't know yeah. like that was just a freak like a freak save it was amazing he's never doing it again but like i I don't know, man. I, I I'm not really pinning that one on Lawton. Oh, like watching it live. I think I, I think Clement like, yeah. did that more before seeing yeah, the I did the, too. The, like, slow motion like, replay, but because <laughs> I thought he just fucking skied it, and I was just like, all right, come on, Lawton. And then watching the replay, honestly, the luckiest person in that whole sequence is Suzuki because Lawton would have killed him. Oh, Suzuki, that was, puck was going right to the back. Be well after that. Yeah, like he's lucky that Carey Price got like that. Could have been Scott Lawton. Lawton could have actually murdered somebody out there last night. I know we joke about like him being, you know. A murder or whatever, but he could have actually gone out there and go been fucking nuts. But that, like, but like, see, that play is not happening again. Like that save, it, like that save just doesn't happen. And the Canadians got that in a very close two to one game. And again, I think for like, I think game. Two, I hope Nate Thompson's never missing an empty net like that oh, yeah, either. That deflection. And again, it, it, Nate Thompson, as I, I tweeted yesterday, isn't exactly known as an offensive dynamo for a reason. Yeah. Like he's, this is not his game. He's not a goal scorer. Like Derek Grant has had a shocking number of goals this year, but yeah. Nate Thompson was traded for to be a fourth line center, to be a two way, play a little defense. That's not really his position. And even then, even considering all that, that was another fluke thing. That's probably never happening again. If, yeah, if you put yeah. him in that position, he's probably you know, scoring a goal yeah. 99 out of a hundred times. That's exactly. Exactly. So again, like all things considered, the Canadians got what they wanted out of that game. And even with that said, they got more breaks to make it a one goal game. So, and like the, the thing with Nate, Tom, the, the fourth line of JVR Thompson and Pitlick is weird. Uh, I'm fine with it though. Well, their skill set. I mean, well, two of their skill sets go together and the other one's JVR. Yeah. But also like they, so it's a little weird, but they look looking at the shots last night. I think Thompson had three shots like from like within two feet of the net. So like he's getting to the net and JVR was getting to the net. So like again, it's the fourth line, and I know JVR is easy to rip on right now, and there's a lot of questions about where he fits into the lineup in the future and everything. But for right now, uh, I want JVR Thompson and Pitt like as much as possible out there against Alex Bills Isle, who is like a twenty eight year old playing in his third NHL game for some reason, Max Domi and Dale Weiss. Like for this series that's why yeah that's why jvr's are jvr's on the fourth line because that he can fucking murder that fourth line when it comes to just getting to the net and scoring and we saw those chances last night and they should have they should have had a goal i mean lawton made a great play to set up thompson right on right in the crease and then 
Lawton had a sh- Lawton should have had two points last night and got absolutely yeah. robbed. <laughs> Poor guy, but um, Poor Scott Lawton. Looking at uh, okay, so going through some of the the, the stats here too. Uh, Philadelphia outshot the Canadians thirty-one to twenty-eight. Shots in the home plate area for the whole game, uh, like the home plate area going from the crease to the face-off dots to the top of the circles. Uh, Canadians, I, I counted fifteen uh, shots actually got on goal, and then the. Um, for the Flyers, I got 12. For Canadians, it was Gallagher, Nedmo, and uh, Lekkonen getting in there and uh, getting chances in from close. We know Gallagher, um, and he caused a lot of he's problems. He's always smashing watermelons. <laughs> he's always smashing, he's smashing watermelons in front on that goal, on the Weber goal. He was causing problems. And he uh, he had a chance out there. Um, well, he had a chance on a couple rebounds when uh, Shane Gosper should have been playing defense and he almost scored, but that's a whole other thing. I thought Deneau looked really good. Uh, for the Canadians. I thought he was everywhere and causing problems for the top six. He had a really good game. And then Lekkonen, uh, of course, I mean, Lekkonen had a couple chances, and I think he was the one that fell over on that 2-on-0 where, you know, speaking about getting lucky, man, uh, he was picking up the puck at the blue line, and it was about to be a wide-open 2-on-0 for the Flyers, and he just fell over, and the puck went into the corner. So that is that is a break that went the Flyers' way, uh, and thank God it did because that could have been – I think that would have made a 1-1. Maybe, uh, I don't know. But looking at some of the other stats, Flyers had a uh, 44.55 4 percentage, 45 shot attempts, 4, 56 against that 5 on 5, 42.19 expected goals, 4 percentage. Pretty much it was first and third periods fine. Third or second period was absolutely fucking horrible. Uh, first period had 19 to 16 shot attempt advantage at 5 on 5. Third period was 14 to 10. Combine those two, it's a 55 93 4 percentage. Uh, second period, they had 12 shot attempts. The Canadians had 30. Uh, so it was a 28.57. Yeah. So like there's the second period. And again, not to get too fucking old B writer, but like, you imagine the, the long change plays into the factor about speed, uh, you know, something like that. Maybe uh, caused the flyers a little bit of problems in the second period. Just throwing that out there. Well, and I think, I think the flyers flat out admitted today too, that the, the Canadians just due to playing a full series against Pittsburgh, like they did, we're just more up to speed. I mean, the Flyers were playing in the round robin where teams, you can debate about how much all <laughs> teams gave in yeah, the round yeah, yeah. robin. I mean, you know, we joke about Boston and I mean, the Flyers look great. Flyers look good, but like Boston, the Blues, the Stars, like a bunch of teams looked not, not great in the round robin. And the Caps. They looked sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and like, like we, yeah, <laughs> we joked about Carey Price being, you know, nap time and everything, <laughs> but like, the Canadians look like a full up to speed team that had played in a competitive series and the Flyers, you know, played against the Bruins yeah. and Lightning and Capitals. They barely you know, they gave a little bit of a shit, but No, that's a good point. Maybe the Lightning wish they'd given a bit more of a cool. shit. Yeah, man, uh, there man, playing I, that series against the Blue Jackets. More on that later, yeah, but that series really But no, but that's a really good point. And I was gonna uh, talk about that when we got to the playoffs. But look at every other series. You're right. Like um the Canucks took care of the blues last night that was the same type of deal uh the blue jackets i mean the blue jackets have been playing the lightning pretty close and that might be a little bit because of last year but same type of thing the blue jackets had to beat the leafs and the lightning had uh the round robin the coyotes are going to get murdered by the ass but last night it was a zero zero game until real late it wasn't close but arizona hung around like all these series where you're expecting uh, and like the Islanders took it to the Caps. So each series where the team had to play in the qualifying round, they had a lot more jump and got out to a big advantage early in these games. So I think that is a real thing for game one, too. So again, like game two, if we see the same shit in game two, that's when I'll really start to worry about whether or not 
the speed isn't going to become like the speed is actually going to cause problems for the Flyers. But like, I think last night was just, it was just kind of like more realization that like, Oh yeah, they are another NHL team and their, their forte is speed. So I guess we got to prepare for that. That's what I thought last night was. And that, that, yeah, that's a good point about like game speed and everything. So uh, what else? Oh, okay. So speaking of that, the Canadians tempo too, there were 101 combined shot attempts last night at five on five. Philly for the entire regular season only took part in eight games where there were 101 combined shots at five and five shot attempts at five and five or more. Um, and they were five, three and zero in those games. One of which was a win over Montreal in November. Um, Montreal on the other hand, other hand had 24 regular season games where they had 101 combined shot attempts. Uh, so By like the way, they, that, before we, we went on with that, I just wanted to attribute the, the, the quote about the series that was uh, Shane Goss and this is via, Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that guy. Video in the athletic. The athletic, right? You know, in case you don't know Charlie, you know Charlie. Come on, come on. Yeah, he writes. Uh, Ghost. Ghost. I really think Montreal benefited from playing a series before. Definitely give them credit, though they were relentless. Yeah, and Ghost. Like, I'll talk for a second about Ghost real quick. Like, I thought, I thought he had some bad moments last night. I thought it was a little annoying that people were really focusing on him because Niskanen looked like shit too. Uh, and Braun had a couple moments, and like it wasn't just Ghost, but yeah, Ghost had he that sequence with Gallagher. I forget when it was. I think it was in the second period. But Gallagher had a chance in front, and then he was able to get two more whacks at the puck, and the puck eventually went off Carter Hart's back before it was clear. But that was Ghost guy in front, and he kind of took a second to realize that Gallagher was about to put the rebound in. So that was created by Ghost, and then he had a bad pass in the new uh, defensive zone where he tried to pass it across the slot, and it got deflected and turned over. So, like he had, he had mistakes last night, um, and hopefully, he didn't really look like he did in the Tampa game, uh, which is a little concerning. But like honestly, it's really I'm really more concerned about Niskanen right now. Honestly, I don't know what's going on with him. right, right. Well. I think Ghost. I think a lot of the team was in the same boat as Ghost last night. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Look up to speed. Yeah, and as I've said repeatedly, give him, give me him over Bobby Hag any day. Oh, yeah, but Hitman Hag. Niskanen has not looked right even in the round robin games. Yeah, like that's the thing that's concerning because the Flyers, as we were seeing, there is an iteration of the Flyers that can work and roll and and kill teams without Ghost, but. I don't know if there's one where Niskanen is kind of hurting Provorov's uh, effect on the top pair because again he didn't he he was making bad decisions against the Lightning and then last night again it was mainly bad decisions but then like my big thing with Niskanen is always foot speed and like foot speed getting the pucks deep in his own zone and we saw that like that Lekkinen chance that was like the Canadian's first real chance of the series where I think Lekkinen got the puck in and he slid it just outside the post on uh, on Hart like in the first period. That was a loose puck that Niskanen, I think, had like 10 strides on fucking Deneau. And then Deneau was able to catch up to him, cause a puck battle, and then Proveroff overskated the puck and it became a chance. So, like, he can't... His decision-making with the puck has to be better, and he's just got to... I know that's like a very cliche thing to say, but, like, he's just... The big part of his game is just thinking with the puck. And if he's going to start making bad decisions, then that's really going to hurt the top pair. We need Dad Niskanen back. We need Ivan Provorov's... I, I can't quite call him a mentor, but his, <laughs> his older friend who came in and, and led him the proper way to play defense. No, I mean, Niskanen and, and Provorov have worked so well this year together. And Niskanen finally bringing that, that right-handed, you know, top-line defense. Because the Flyers have 
talked about getting a, a you know a, a right hander or a couple right righties in there for a few years now. And yeah. Now they actually have like a capable top line right hander, but like the Flyers aren't going to succeed. They're not going to go very far if Niskanen's not oh. on because there's not really anybody to replace him up there. Unless you put like Travis Sanheim back there, but then yeah. that there's a whole domino effect from there, and that's See, that's it's no thing. bueno for anybody. That's the thing is, if this game plays fine, the Flyers have a solid top four that honestly, like like teams just aren't gonna handle. But the because Sanheim and Myers are on fire, uh, and they've been playing well. They're right. Like they've been playing well. I thought Myers had a, a strong game last night. Myers had a really good game last night, and Sanheim. That second goal was a lot of therapy, but Sandheim's decision to just fire that puck on that immediately led to, led to the goal as well. And um, Sandheim's looked great this entire postseason. Yeah, the round robin games he's looked spectacular. Can't break that. He's up. just making really good decisions right now. I like. I feel like he's really hitting that next level. Uh, yeah, yeah. This would be a good time. Yeah, I, I'm I'm about that. Especially if I I don't think you separate Sandheim and Myers just because. Like, I don't want Provorov and Sanon playing together because I want two legitimate pairs. And that's what the Flyers have had. Two legitimate pairs and one, you know, I would say, you know, at, at their best, Braun and Ghost could be very good. But, I mean, if they're serviceable, that's fine because you can shelter them a bit. I mean, Braun is... Braun makes some good decisions, but he's slow as shit. Braun is, like, yeah, Braun is, I, I think to me... Like, that's I think their he's crafty. Pair. Like, I think he, he can he knows the angles to take and can cut guys off properly, but he is not, he's very slow. He's very slow. And sometimes he's hesitant in like reacting to the puck in the D zone. Cause that's what costs him in the round Robin. But like for him, like to me, it's all it's ghost or Hag, And I just, I don't like Hag and Braun together, but like ghost, like that's too much, man. It's <laughs> way too much, man. Yeah. It's too much. They can't no, just it like, it's yeah. defensive defenseman hitting in a game in the puck out of really, zone is it's possible. tough to be a, a big defensive defenseman in today's game yeah like both your guys in the pair can't be that guy because then you're just gonna get you just get him in the zone but at the same time i say that about ghost and and braun but they got him in the zone last night for a shift in the first and ghost when his wheels are spinning sometimes he has some fun with the puck in the defensive zone as well so it's not like a like if we can get the ghost if we can get the old ghost the ghost that we saw flashes of it's fine. Uh, but again, it's really, to me, the most important thing is just getting Niskanen back to normal. That's really what I want to say. Well, because Niskanen's going to be getting a significant amount of ice time comparatively. I mean, mm-hmm. Ivan Provorov plays 20 plus minutes every plays night. Like a and yeah. Matt Niskanen's not that far behind because he plays with Ivan Provorov. So if, you know, half of that, you know, you got two wheels and one of them squeaky. That's no good. No, it's not good. It's not good at all. And you're right. Like there's, I mean, you ever been in a shopping cart? You ever used a shopping cart with that? It's, have I, I've on, used, it's I, I don't shit. want to brag, but I've used a shopping cart before. Yeah. No, I, yeah. There's always one with the squeaky wheel. Every day I'm now, right? Yeah, actually every day. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not for much longer, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. Uh, I did. The other thing too, I want to talk about like uh, Sandheim hitting a second gear, maybe not quite that but something about joel farabee uh goals and back-to-back games uh we'll talk about for before we check the farabee scoring um oh god not the bees not the bees second career playoff goal technically because the one in the round robin counts which i think is like a little i don't know like that was game one of the actual postseason like i thought that would have been cooler if that was his first real goal considering two it was yeah. pretty crucial and was a game winner but anyway 
He's got two goals in back-to-back playoff games now. He's only played three playoff games. Um, he, the entire season, I think I said like somewhere in like late January, February, about him possibly being sent down, not because he looked bad or it looked like he didn't belong or didn't fit anywhere in the lineup, but because he just wasn't producing. And I think the Flyers needed to make a move to bring back somebody from injury, so I threw that out there. But I went back and I looked. Uh, he had a 13-game goal drought, and that was part of a 29-game stretch where only had one goal. So he must have had a 15-game goal down there too. But uh, So he had one goal on 32 shots over a 29-game stretch during the season for a 3.13 shooting percentage. The thing with shooting percentages is some years players just have unlucky year shooting, and then the next year it bounces back up. It's one of those things that usually that like evens out over time. So like you can be even for a bunch of years, but like, some year you go off, you know, like shit like that. So Faraby was pretty unlucky during this regular season. And then there was a huge pause that acted pretty much as like a, you know, unintentional break into a new season. And now they're coming back. So all the luck that Faraby may have not been getting during the regular season of 2019-20 keeps going to the net. Maybe he's going to start getting some more stupid bounces here and have the puck go on more. So hopefully – all the work Fairby did during the regular season, he wasn't getting rewarded. It just unloads now in the postseason, which, again, that goal last night, he did a lot of things right, and it still required a redirection him in front to just slam that puck out. So he can create plays like that, and he was a, he facilitated a lot of that goal against the Lightning as well. He, I love his game. I mean, Bill Clement was going on about it last night in the, after the goal, but like he, there's really not much to hate about Fairby's game right now or going forward. There really isn't. No, I mean, and he... I mean, What's great about Faraby too is there's a lot of younger players on this roster, but I wouldn't say there's a ton of younger players that have that offensive spark like he does. So he really has potential to have a big postseason and maybe even cement himself. Uh, I mean, definitely a top nine forward spot, but I mean, maybe even a top six spot because he is, I mean, he's got, he's got some speed. He's got a really nice shot and I don't know. I think there's a lot of great offensive potential with oh, him yeah. that I think makes the Flyers a a larger threat. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Like, I think I have. I think like that's why I'm looking at the lines that uh, Av threw out there last night. I really don't have a fucking problem with them because I think Faraby does work well with Drew and Couturier, and they usually get in there and cycle and can fuck teams up on the forecheck. And if you drop down, like the third line of Voracek, Grant, and um, NAK was the second most used line at 5 5 last night. And I think in this series, where you're looking at, you know, if the Canadians are going to try, if they're used to teams dumping it in, that's a big part of the Flyers' forecheck, and they're going to try and switch it up and carry it into the zone. You have a line with Voracek and NAK. You got two wingers right there that should be able to carry the puck into the zone with speed. So you let Derek Grant kind of decide which one to hand it off to, and then you should be able to carry the puck into the zone. And like we were saying in the preview, the, the Canadians' depth is like they have enough depth where each line should be able to hang with the Flyers' line. But the way it's set up now, like it's it's all it is is just going to be the Canadians' four lines making sure they don't give up a goal. Like that fourth line, JVR in that fourth line out there against the Canadians' fourth line, Max Domi and company, I feel like shouldn't really be like thinking they can score against that that fourth line. I don't know. Like I, uh, but and like the third line should have an advantage over the Canadians' third line as well. But either way, you you run it. I think Av is going to find mismatch. He got the top pair out there against uh, Mete and Ouellette in the first period and the Dale Weiss line, so he's going to find those little 
opportunities and the mismatches. And as we saw in the game last night, like that's going to, it's going to help create the difference on the scoreboard. So um, what else? Uh, yeah. And I, I think this is really where you're going to see the, the benefit of having an experienced coach like Elaine Vigneault in there, as opposed to Dave Haxtell, who was yeah. just so insanely overmatched in his playoff series. I mean, my, I'm, I've gone on record as saying I gave a longer, I guess, longer leash to Haxtell than most as far we, as like, yeah. my tolerance for him goes. Like, I really wanted to give the guy a chance, get some fresh blood in there, blah, blah, blah. But that Pittsburgh series, that last time the Flyers were in the playoffs against the Pittsburgh Penguins, that was where I really hit a hard goddamn wall with Dave Haxtell. Like, I was pretty... I was getting pretty sick of him already, but that series, he was just so overmatched at every turn. It was disgusting, and I just couldn't take it anymore. I, I feel like when you look at um, – that that's exactly right. I mean, like the 2018 series, I feel like looking back at it, I don't remember thinking that there were any major changes in the game plan or the lineup to adjust to the Penguins fucking murdering the Flyers. Like, Hack Soldier's like, all right. Let's see if it works next game. But I have a lot of confidence in AV here that, you know, I mean, the team speed all around looked like the Canadians were skating around the Flyers, especially in the second period. So I'm sure AV will have some kind of response to that or something to combat that. And that's why I think the Flyers will look better in the second game. That's why, yeah, again, if it looks the same in game two as it did in game one, I'm going to be a little nervous because AV got some time to game plan and either – you know, the whole team kind of looks hesitant still, or Niskanen might be off, but got a lot more confidence this time around. And, um, and AV kind of figuring it out more than more. Unfortunately, and unfortunately, this is, I, I would say this would now become a chess match between AV and Montreal Canadiens yeah. coaching, but it's, so there was an added wrinkle thrown in today, and this is just really terrible news. And, uh, Hopefully everything is okay, but uh, Montreal Canadiens coach Claude Julien uh, had to, I believe last night, uh, had to go to the hospital with chest pains, and they haven't given an update beyond that it's not COVID-related, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I mean, I, I, I guess he's doing okay because they just told us he had chest pains, we haven't received anything further, uh, is that he's got tests, but, I mean, they, they said he's not going to be back for the series, though. Yeah. And... Uh, so who who's taking so it's his place uh, the series? yeah this is uh, TVA Sports is reporting that uh, Julian had chest pains at night. Uh, they said originally he won't be returning during the playoff series, and then Bergman said he doesn't think Julian is coming. Julian's not coming back for the series, pretty much. And they handed it over to Kirk Mueller, uh, who's going to be um, going to be their uh, assistant coach. 80, 80, and twenty seven over three seasons as the Hurricanes head coach back from uh, twenty eleven to twelve to 2013-14 after he leaves uh, Paul Maurice. He was an assistant with the Blues in 2014-15, 15-16, and has been a Montreal assistant since 2016-17, never been a coach in the postseason. I don't think Kirk Mueller was really uh, ready to do it now uh, with this series here. And again, yeah, yeah, I mean, that fucking sucks. Like, this isn't... I mean, Claude Julien is he's a great coach. He is one of the most respected guys in the game. He did a, a great job with the Boston Bruins for years, and I think we brought this up on the Flyers forecast earlier this week. He's a guy that we would not have minded a couple years ago. The Flyers uh, 
you know, seeing him behind the bench for the Flyers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when he did the tr- quick transition from Boston to Montreal, we discussed about, like, whether or not we should fire Hackstall a year in. And I think there was, like, a name we were really, like, just thrown out there. as like, yeah, that'll be a name we get away from Hackstall. I mean, I mean, now we know that Hackstall, obviously, is a lot worse than Claude Julian. But, no, Claude Julian's a really good coach. And I think he would have – part of the reason why we saw in the forecast, too, that, like, this series should be a series where – it's kind of clear the Flyers are in control and there's really never a doubt, but the Canadians are going to do enough to make it uncomfortable, which I mean, check Mark for that in game one, but Claude Julian would have been doing a better job of, you know, getting the right lines and pairs out there and figuring out what to do tactically to kind of make the game close and take away chances for the Flyers. And I don't know if, if Mueller's going to do that, but I think, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll find out, but he's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be as efficient as Julian, obviously. And I think that is, I mean, it's. I mean, Julian's just a, he's a really good coach. And yeah. I mean, so Montreal did not have a good regular season. Let's just make no. that plain and clear. But that, I don't think this roster is very good. No, so no, no, no. So take it to the Penguins like they did. I thought that was a great coaching job by Claude Julian. And I mean, it's, it's really unfortunate because, I mean, you just want to see these, these two great coaches go up against each other. I mean, health is a man's health is more important mm-hmm. than the skin you love. We wish him nothing but the best and hope yeah. that Claude Julian is okay. So, um, you know, we'll we'll let you know when there's an update on that. I'm sure something will go out on Twitter, you know, mm-hmm. whatever your preferred news source is. Yeah. But uh, hopefully everything's okay. It's, it, it, you know, I don't want to say too much because I don't have that much information. But I mean, it seems relatively okay, but you never know. You never know. Um, and um, yeah, we're hoping he's fine and we'll definitely provide a news update. And it's just unfortunate that it, I mean, it happened right now for him, uh, you know, because they're in the middle of a playoff series and it's just kind of a shitty thing uh, just in general. So hopefully, hopefully it was fine and we get a news update. You know, hopefully there's a news update before everybody is listening to this podcast, even. <laughs> like as soon as we get off, hopefully there's good news for him. But I mean, that would fall ideal. within our usual luck for this podcast. Yeah, 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 it will be. Which this time, uh, fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah, so he can uh, go about and recover uh, successfully. So, um, well, fuck. I was going to go. I had some more notes on the first game real quick uh, before we start getting into some, uh, to, to, uh, some other stuff here. Vorchekul, his sixth career playoff goal, his first one since he had the lone goal in the Flyers' 4-1 to loss to the Caps in Game 2 of the 2016 first-round series, which, of course, if everybody remembers, that's the uh, Jason Schmerer goal on Steve Mason. So that game was fun. Ending a 12-game goal drought for Voracek in the postseason. Um, what else? Provorov and Sanheim had primary helpers. Provorov now has five assists in 10 playoff games. That would have been his first goal last night. Uh, I think that goal got changed real late i think it got changed at like midnight at one o'clock or something uh and then sanheim had two goal has now now has two goals and two assists for four points in eight playoff games drew had the secondary assist on Voracek's goal he now has 66 points uh 42 of which are assists in 73 postseason games his first point of this postseason yeah first point this postseason so uh, thanks drew for finally showing up you know you know typical drew in the postseason just not Nowhere to be found. You know, Steve? You know what I'm saying? We all would. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, thanks, G. Jesus, where have you been? Uh, Roger. 
Couture, Lawton, and JVR tied for a team-high four shots on goal. Going back to my point about getting to the net. Uh, Gallagher had a team-high or a game-high seven shots. Joel Armia had six shots on goal. And they touched on this on the podcast. Uh, Armia had one goal on 15 shots against the Flyers this year in just three games. Uh, he has 16 goals on 155 shots overall. He's 15 shots against Philadelphia is the most shots he's had against the team. Uh, this year, he also had 15 against the Bruins, but he played four games against the Bruins and again, only three against Philly. So Joel Armia, when he uh, plays the Flyers, apparently just likes to shoot the puck. So watch out for that, I guess. It's just watch when the Canadians are on offense, watch for Joel Armia to see if he can hit the 10 shot mark in the game. I don't know if they're going to be good so shots. We can just, <laughs> we have a perspective flyer killer in the making right here. We do. Yeah. Like I was looking at his numbers and it's just like, he just apparently he's getting opportunities to fucking fire the puck when he's playing. It's fine with Kake Niami and uh, Druin right now, so maybe they're just setting them up and they know that's uh, that's what he wants to do. Uh, looking at the lines real quick, top line did pretty good last night. Drew, Kadori, and Faraby uh, won the shot battle 7 to 5. Expected goals 56.6. Uh, expected goals 4 percentage. Uh, one goal, 4 0 goals against, and 10 24 working against uh, Paul Byron, Deneau, Lekkonen, uh, Ben Sherratt, and Weber. The, the goal that they scored, the go ahead goal they scored, it was Kulak. And Sherrod out there. So Brett Kulak and uh, Sherrod out there. Both left-handed defensemen kind of played a role in the uh, Canadians' ability to get the puck out of the zone, led to a turnover in the goal against. Steve, I just brought that up for you, talking about two left-handed defensemen on the same pair. Causing a problem. I love you. I know you love handedness of defensemen. So uh, Voracek Grant. I love it. It's the number one factor <laughs> in all of hockey. Voracek Grant and NAK uh, had the second most amount of the 5 on 5 ice time. With 955, but 41.67 Corey's four percentage. Uh, five shot attempts, four, seven against, uh, two and two in shots, 52.3 expected goals, four percentage. Uh, they mainly went up against Drew and Kake, Naomi, Armia, and uh, Mete Ulet. So, again, like if that's the matchup that AV is trying to get out there, I like, I like Voracek and NAK possibly coming off the wings with speed at Mete and Ulet because Mete and Ulet are bad and they can't get the puck out of their own zone. So, I'll take that. that all day long. I'm always a big fan of when the assessment is just, they're bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got, I, that's the main thing to take away with. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, you know, looking at what I've seen out of those two, they're not, uh, they're not great. Um, also, Grant, do you talk about Derek Grant getting, uh, getting bullied by Carey Price after Roulette pushed him into the net? Did you see that? Like I will a- not stand for this kind of bullying. I thought we were past this as a country. Yeah, it's 2020, man. And, it's 2020. Either throw the punch or don't. Don't fucking joke. Like, just get it done already. Good luck. It's a fucking <laughs> hockey game. Just throw the blocker at him and let shit happen. Just like, start, d- look, just pull a hex stall. <laughs> That's actually a reverse hex stall, right? I mean, it would have. Uh, yeah, no, that could have been. Yeah, he could have pulled. He could have done both. Actually, yeah. by him not actually hitting him with the blocker, I bl- and be- the fact that it was Montreal against Philadelphia, it's the that exact, is a full reverse hex. I was going to say, yeah, you're right. That is a bizarro hex stall. <laughs> the full all the way around. Holy shit, that's pretty good. And it was in game one, which is when props it was, and hex stall attacked prop and or hex stall attacked Chelios in game six. He then attacked uh, prop. In the offseason, that would have been that would have been the bigger storyline with Sexton going with the prop after that hit. But anyway, um, Law and Hayes connect. They actually had the third most last time at five and five, uh, nine thirty-seven, going up against Thomas Tatar, Nick Suzuki, uh, Brendan Gallagher, and then the defensive pair of Kulik and uh, Petrie. Thirty-eight point one Coise four percentage, eight shot attempts, four thirteen against, won the shot battle though five to four. Expected goals four percentage, thirty point twenty-four. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, this line, this is the line I think up front that looked the most uh, kind of out of sorts uh, to me at times. I mean, Hayes, Hayes can connect me to two and one early, but uh, Kulak played it pretty well. Uh, and then Lawton, yeah, Lawton <laughs> should have had two points and they got robbed by Price and Thompson decided uh, he didn't want to shoot the puck into the awning net. So <laughs> this is just what I, I would say that for sure Kevin Hayes wouldn't have missed that. Oh, yeah. I literally nobody else on the fucking team. I think even like you said, like even if Nate Thompson got that chance again, that was a one <laughs> like that was a literally a wide open net and he had time to just I don't know. Whatever. Even Robert the Hitman Hag. Oh, baby. And look, there's not... I want Hag in the crease. I want him crash the net and get some real greasy ones. That's what he's on the ice for. So, JVR Thompson and Pitlick. 44.44 course for percentage. Eight shot attempts for 10 against. Shots, they won the battle 63. 57.37 expected goals for percentage. And 627... Ball, some different looks that really weren't out there against the same pair uh, all the time. But again, if AV can get this line out there against Montreal's fourth line of Bell's Isle, Domi, and Weiss, I feel pretty, like Domi's good. And uh, like this is, I'm pretty sure AV is responding to Julian's uh, attempt at depth because Domi really isn't. Uh, I mean, I'd say Domi's more of a middle six guy, not a bottom, not a fourth line guy. But if you want to make I was Weiss actually really surprised. I was really surprised that they had him on the fourth line, uh, let alone with Dale Weiss. Yeah, I mean, like, he's uh, not living up to first round potential, but he is, I don't think he's, yeah. Like, but I think that's a response to try and make it so they they need to spread their depth out because if they try and go top heavy, the Flyers are just going to cancel them out with their top six. So for them, I get the idea of trying to spread out uh, the wealth. So uh, pro Ralph Niskin, by the way, let's move to defense. Uh 11 shot attempts, 4 15 against, won the shot battle 6 to 4, 45 points, 12 expected goals, 4 percentage, and 13 42 against Lekkonen, Dano, and Byron. So, against, so again, they went against their top line. All pretty fast guys that I assume are going to be aggressive when Madness can ask the puck to try and force them in some issues. Uh, and they broke even on goals so zero goals for, zero goals against. So, you know. Not too bad considering Niskan looked like shit and they were playing the Canadians' top line. I'll take a 0 0 trade off. Um, Anaheim Myers, 52.78, Quizzy 4 percentage, uh, 11 to 7 in shots, 46.59 expected goals, 4 percentage, but 1 0 in goals. In 15 16, going up against that, the Tars Azuki Gallagher line. And again, they facilitated that second goal. They played a big role in that second goal. Uh, and going to, uh, more on that, too. They scored 16 seconds after the Canadians tied it up in this game, and they scored eight seconds after the Bruins scored in the round robin. So they're going to start a tradition of quickly responding to goals. That's going to go a long way as well. Just kill anything. That's a full. Yeah. That's a full 180 from the Flyers. I know. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. The quick response is historically something that goes against the Flyers. So if the Flyers can can turn this to their advantage. I am all about it because I have been tortured my entire life. <laughs> yeah. And like that's, and like last night's second goal was one of the few times the Flyers were able to get the puck deep and attack the Montreal's defense with their four check. And it fucking led to a turnover and fair being front. So like, again, they weren't able to do that as often last night, but one of the few times they did, they used it to a goal to cancel any kind of momentum or positivity Montreal had after tying it. So I'm feeling pretty good about that development. Okay, Ghost Braun, though. Uh, shot attempt battle 7-15. to 15, Lost the shot count 4-5. to five, third, 13 expected goals. 4 percentage. 
broke even in 11:33, mainly against Drew and Kake, Niemi, and Armia. And I'm going to take this opportunity to point out that even though they broke even in goals, Go still played like shit. So everybody that loves Robert Hag out there, maybe take a lesson from that. Maybe realize that 0-0 on the scoreboard doesn't mean they actually played that great. And watch how he plays the defensive zone because it's not really that great either. But like Ghost, yeah, like they if that's what Ghost Braun are gonna be, that's not gonna work either. And then the Flyers just might have a problem on the third pair where they're gonna have to kind of uh, dance around the fact that they can't really play. I guess hard minutes any any which way they can't really bail out the top four. Uh, but again, I'm buying I want to buy into your ghost theory a little bit. I want to believe that. Well, I mean, it's not a theory. He said, yeah, straight up. But I mean, you know, but I, mean, I, I want to see I want to see what they look like in the next game. Yeah, like I want to see if they're more up to speed, if they're buzzing around a little more because they just looked slow and sloppy for large periods of time last yeah. night. Yeah. And again, it's I, I Ghost had some of the more notable examples out there, but there were plenty of guys that were falling on that ice and looked like they just learned how to skate that week. Oh yeah, no, no, it wasn't. People love to just pinpoint Ghost, but there were a lot of people. But Ghost fucked up, and also a lot of other people were fucking up last night. And again, like oh, a lot of a lot of people were fucking up. Yeah. I mean, I want to see what they look like in the next game. Yeah, like, that's a pivotal that is game, a, I think, for yeah. especially a lot of the the lower tier guys on that team as far as you know where they're playing like bottom six bottom two kind of guys you know it's it's not not everybody can handle an army of one (laughs) okay look i mean i just i thought of that like two minutes ago i'm sure somebody we're gonna have a bunch of somebody in the canadians universe has used that before i can't be the first one but i'm sorry not sorry we're gonna have some yucks and then uh steve comes along and he drops that right in front of me uh, and then he's just gonna try and move on. Like I'm not supposed to have a reaction like that. Like I'm not supposed to have a violent, <laughs> upset reaction to a joke like that. And uh, this is the ki- this is the kind of professionalism. You see this? I'm about to move on though and pivot real hard. Because people often are... ask why why does the usual fly purpley episode take 16 hours? And the simple answer is because I can't stop thinking of shitty puns. It's usually just we say half-assed like hockey assessments come up with a bad, couple bad puns, and then usually I'm just upset about the bad puns. That's usually how the show goes. I, it doesn't matter. You well, usually make up like 90% of them. But then the couple... Let, let me also throw this throw this out there. No. So throughout the show, oh, okay. if you ever pay attention to episode titles, uh, they're usually some sort of like re- terrible, terrible pun. And <laughs> okay, I never got What usually happens, we share a Google document, and throughout the show... Anytime I come up with one of these, I will jot it down on this document. So a lot of the time there will be like six, seven lines of just terrible, terrible puns to use as titles. <laughs> Cause that's just how my mind works. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, we're all aware. Yeah. I thought you were going to talk about the story about this one, about the, uh, the outline for this one where you put the title on top and I already wrote, fuck you to it. <laughs> yes. I wrote total eclipse of the heart spelled h-a-r-t which hasn't even been mentioned on this episode but it was something i just thought about in the middle of the day and decided to just write it on the outline and craig i I actually laughed a lot when i signed on to record and craig has just written fuck you in parentheses because it's golden the people are gonna like it it's gold jerry but i mean uh you know still just i just gotta say fuck you because why not i mean you know that's I know you thought of it, and we all have to hear it, but still. Just, yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, players are loaning out some players. we got some players uh, playing across the globe right now. So David Kasha 
It has been loaned to HC Energy Karlova Vary in the Czechs Tip Sport Extra Liga. It's a real team. Everybody knows HC Energy Karlova Karlova's way. H-E-E-K-V. You don't, you're not a big fan. Yeah, you know me. Uh, but anyway, 2015 fifth round pick. There you go. Speaking of bad. Uh, 25th, uh, 15th, fifth round pick had one goal in six games with the Flyers this season. Also had 19 points in 51 games with Lehigh Valley. And of course, the loans just means he's going to go over and play in the tip sport extra Liga. Cause uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm not too familiar with that Czech league, but I think they start in September. So he's just going to go over and play some actual competitive games and then come back whenever the AHL actually resumes. Same with Lena Sandin, who has been loaned to HV71 HV in the SHL, which was his old club he was with before the Flyers signed him. Um, he had 36 Call points. Call Sandman. Pretty good one. I feel like Sandin and Sandheim are going to run into similarity with their nicknames. That might be an issue, but that's we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, he had 36 points, 19 of which were goals in 51 games with HV71 this year. 24 year old six foot one undrafted right winger, uh, whose brother Rasmus is a defenseman with the Maple Leafs. So that's pretty much the big Flyers news. Uh, the rest of the news right now, baby, it's uh, it's all about the rest of the league. It's all playoffs. Talking the offs, uh, and there's nothing better than talking about the offs on on the perp. So I still doing the offs. Offs still a thing. I mean, I'm I'm for it if it is. I just wanted to verify. No comment from Craig Forsyth on the matter. I, I think y'all should be here to stay. I'm a fan of y'all. All right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. sorry. I must have been muted. Yeah, sorry. I'm here. I, I like the, uh, yeah, big fan of y'all. So. I thought I just left you speechless. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, y'all's? Hold on. Yeah, like that other line. Whoa, I was gonna you can't get rid of y'all's? <laughs> well, so the big story has got to be that five overtime game, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, that five was... overtime game, which almost actually almost beat out beat my it. favorite game of all time, my favorite goal, the Keith Primo goal. It came so close to beating out the longest modern era game of the Flyers and Penguins from two thousand. Yeah, like, and it was it, that game was weird because I I was able to watch most of it. I missed the beginning, but I watched from like the second half of the second period on. It started at three o'clock in the oh, afternoon. Oh my god! Yeah, and it finished at what nine p.m. Yeah, it was real fucking late. Later? Yeah, like that. And honestly, there, for any of the games to do it, that was the best game for the league to have do it because I know the Canadian or uh, Canes and Bruins got pushed out, but like that was. Oh, Canes and Bruins would have been insane if it went that long because oh, yeah. th- this has been a great series so far. Like these two yeah, teams are really just good. yeah. This is good hockey. It was funny. Uh, like this. I, was very one-sided hockey in this game. It really like was. the Tampa Bay Lightning just completely dominated the Columbus Blue Jackets, but Corpusalo was not having it, and he's looked great through two games. Yeah, it's all that. I mean, it's all that fucking defensive system with the Blue Jackets. Like the Blue Jackets play it, the Coyotes play it, and the Islanders play it. But it's just like they just allow all the shots in the world against, but apparently have some kind of structure where. You're just not going to get any high, high quality chances against. Or if you do, they're ca- they have a goalie capable of making a big save, and then just they keep it low scoring. So like, there's three teams like that in this postseason, and it's just going to create. God, I, hate them. I it's going to create. I'm just. I have a theory. Actually, that, the only one I I like the. Did you say the Coyotes were in that batch as well? Yeah. Yeah. At least they have Taylor Hall to throw some excitement. Wow. And throw some excitement. They're probably the most there. 
I think they're the most, but they got slacked by the uh, the Avs yesterday. They didn't have ten shots. Yes, on they goal. did. Well, the, the Avalanche are also freaking good offensively. Yeah. but like, okay. So what I was gonna say was the those three teams though. I, I think we're gonna see another long as overtime or a couple really long overtime games, not five overtimes, but I think we might see another three overtime and maybe like a couple two overtime games coming up because I think the way the playoffs are set up in the bubble. Uh, I think we can see some long ass games here. So those three teams all play a style where they're already built mentally to just be defensive and make the simple play in the defensive zone and get the puck out. So for the entirety of their games, all they have to do is focus on making simple plays and moving the puck out of the zone effectively. And they're good. So they just have to focus with no crowd noise. They don't have anything else distracting them during the day. They don't have to do any, like they might have to do like radio hits and some other stuff like that, but they don't have to do, real world day-to-day stuff because they're in the bubble pretty much uh they did the night they don't have nearly the amount of media that's usually hounding them right and there's no fans in the stands to distract them while they're focused deep in the overtime and they had a long layoff before this return the pause so there's not the months and months of building up injuries and there shouldn't be a lot of guys coming in with still torn like ligaments or like bruised bodies and shit like they're well rested this is like trying to watch overtime or like expect them to have endurance early in the season in October and November if these games were to happen. So I think a lot is built in to remove the elements of like, you know, usually when those go- those games get late, it's usually a cheap goal that decides it because somebody loses focus or like the momentum or like the crowd noise gets involved and helps make a call for the rest or something. But you take all that oh, out. Oh yeah, it's usually like a shitty Patrick Kane-esque goal. Yeah, and that's usually like, and that, you know, in these games, like the Blue Jackets Lightning, like if uh, Vladislav Gavrikov doesn't get hit with that weird shot and it creates that weird, like that game could have kept going. There weren't like there was a weird lapse in the third game where like things were getting real lazy and like there would be a rebound. The guys were like half striding over there because they were tired. But most of that game was really close, really tight, a ton of energy, and there weren't any lapses in. Like the Blue Jackets could have kept doing the funneling out chances and just making like not really attacking aggressively and just kind of hoping for something fluky to happen on the other end. And I feel like that was the game the Coyotes were willing to play yesterday. If the Addison score in regulation, that could have been a game that they got outshot. They got outshot 40 to 15, but they could have been outshot like 60 to 20 or something, three overtimes deep. And the Islanders play the same fucking type of way. So all that stuff in this round of the postseason, I feel like we're going to see there's going to be another long one is my guess. We already had a double overtime one between the Bruins and Canes. I'm thinking one more is coming along. That's um, well, I hope I'm for Seth Jones's sake. There it, it can't be for them. Yeah. But let's talk. Okay. Poor Seth Jones. Seth Jones. What an absolute Monster. machine yeah. in this game. 65.06 played. That's the most most ice time since it was tracked in 97.98. Yes. According to your note here. Yes. Yeah, so set the record for most time played in a single game. 65 minutes and six seconds. Uh, and yeah, and it started getting tracked in 97.98. So with that in mind, he broke Sergei Zubov's record, who played 63.51 in the Mighty Ducks Stars five overtime game back in 2003. It was game one of the 2003 Western Conference semifinals. Uh, and Vorinsky is 61-14 is the fourth most ice time in a single game. Darian Hatcher 62-02 from that Mighty Ducks uh, Stars game is the third most ice time for a single game. So Darian Hatcher mentioning on the podcast. I'll have to remember that for the tweet. But uh, yeah, so... Jones all... and Warinsky, man, like they are just... I, they're a big part of Columbus what... wins... 
It's because they have two of the best young defensemen it's, in the game. If they win, it's literally Torts, that pair, and Corpus Allo. Like, that's because yeah. they play. And some of the other guys on Columbus's defense is fine, but they don't do anything nearly as well as what Jones and Marinsky do. 6506. Yeah. Like, we talk about Provorov being a, a fucking horse. Monster, and he is. He is. And he's, he's now got the main to prove it. But it's. <laughs> it really is. I mean, that's man. just. It's a beautiful man. I love Provorov with his just wild. I, he it's awesome. Yeah, it's got. I think it's intimidating just to see just a wild man on the loose with the defense. That oh, hair flap when he has the puck. Yeah, nobody could stop that. And he looks like he's in an '80s metal band. Great. <laughs> so, I mean, but Seth Jones, man, sixty-five minutes played—that's crazy. <laughs> that is pretty nuts. I think. I mean, Corpus Allo too. Let's talk about Corpus Allo because he uh, stopped eighty-five shots. The only 80 save game in the, the history of the NHL. Uh, seven other 70 save games. And Kelly Rudy had the record before this. He had um, 73 in the Easter Epic, uh, the four overtime game seven between the Owls and Cavs back in 1987, the one that Pat LaFontaine scored. And it's a pretty, I mean, people know what the fuck the Easter Epic is. So, uh, but yeah, that fact. And Corpus L was making some pretty big saves even deep into the overtime. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Lightning were putting up chances. Like, it wasn't like the Lightning were just resting back on their laurels and, yeah. and hoping they would score. Like, the Lightning were bringing it to him. And Corpusalo, I mean, he stood on he his did. head. Good. I was yeah. honestly hoping he would get to 100 saves. I thought, yeah, I was hoping he got to 100 saves. And also, I just thought it was, I thought it was just shitty the way that he, like, he got the loss at the end. Um, but still, he, he is, like, I know I just talked about the Blue Jacket system and everything, but, like, he is, he's, been doing pretty fucking good. He's the key part of that system, but they, yeah. But I mean, him and Merce Lickens, man, they're both they both put forward very solid efforts, especially for. Are they both rookies? Uh, Merce Lickens is, yeah, he's out right now. Corpus Hall is, I think he's been in the league for a couple of years. I don't know how many years. This isn't okay. his first. This isn't his first. Uh, Not his first rodeo. <laughs> no. Uh, let me look it up real quick because now I'm interested too. But. Yeah, so you looked that up. I mean, I just couldn't. 2016-17 was his first year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. So he's he's still pretty. Yeah, he's young. He's not like, yeah, he's not about to retire. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I'm not an idiot for thinking. No, no, no. Potentially. I see. I see. Um, I mean, it's the shot differential was crazy. Vasilevsky only had to make 61 saves. Still still a lot. Don't get me wrong. A Tampa Bay record, apparently. Uh, So there you go. It's not 85. It's not. It ain't 85. Yeah, that's amazing that Vasilevsky had 61 saves and he's the other goalie in this game. Like, that's got to be. Yeah, that's just kind of funny. But uh, Tampa. Well, actually, let's talk a little more about these stats here. So, yeah, like I said, second longest game in the modern era behind Primos. So to show. I honestly, when I got to the fifth overtime, I was just like, fuck it. I want to see a goal because I still want Primo to have, like, I want him to have the goal for the longest game in, you know, the modern NHL. That's, I was on the same page. So, uh, point scored with 9.33 left in five overtimes. Primo scored with 7.59. So it was, I mean, on the grand scheme of things, it it's not going to be a fucking closer than that in like 20 years. Yeah, like, that's the closest. That's the closest. This is the first five overtime games since 2003. So I th- we should be safe for a bit, unless my wild, long game theory somehow pans out. But uh, third ever five overtime game in NHL history. There have been two six overtime games. They both happened back in the 30s, and as we all know, that hockey doesn't count. So there's been a couple. There's been three real five overtime games. Uh, and Peter Sakura, the other third one besides. You know, there were only six teams. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere before. 
and there wasn't a forward pass and uh, goalies didn't wear masks and uh, Maurice Richard just scored all the goals. It was, you know, hockey used to be wild. It was crazy. Vince Lombardi used to run around. Gordie <laughs> Howe was the first hockey player. <laughs> Vince Lombardi, you know, the Lombardi trophy named as your famous hockey player, Vince Lombardi. <laughs> Uh, so the primo, so the primo overtime game, the Flyers five overtime game back in uh, game four of the 2003 Eastern Conference semifinals, and the game won between the Lightning and Bolts on Tuesday are two of the three uh, five overtime games. The third one, as we've alluded to a couple times, Peter Sikora scored 48 seconds into the fifth overtime of game one between the Mighty Ducks and the Stars in that 2003 Western Conference semifinals. I think Ois had the uh, assist on that, which uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it wasn't in Philly, so it sounds. Uh, about right. Um, yeah, well, they didn't have points for the Flyers, as we all know. Yeah. <laughs> also, Tampa Bay. Like, let's talk about the series real quick. I think the Blue Jackets have Tampa Bay's number, which is, I mean, well, I mean, they won today, and Tampa Bay outplayed them again. Well, like, I'm Tampa saying. Bay should have won that game, and Columbus is just doing that. Like, this I'm is the you. shit that drives me nuts when it happens against the Flyers, where the the Flyers will have a great effort and get all the shots, but then like Pittsburgh usually does this. The Flyers where you know, they could be dominating for long stretches, but not score. And then Pittsburgh would just go down the other end and just flip it in the net. It's fine. And that's what Columbus was doing all day today. Yeah, well, that's like, yeah. And that's, oh my God, that Alex Benberg goal. Like that Wenberg goal is just uh, like him pulling that out. Yeah. The Lightning can't, can't give up goals like that. If they're going to throw the house at the Blue Jackets, not get anything. But see, like I, like I'm looking at the Blue Jackets, Lightning, Coyotes, Avs, and like the Islanders caps. Not really Coyotes' abs. I think the abs are going to crush the Coyotes no matter what because they lean on a little more on can Darcy Kemper bail us all out. Um, but like, oh yeah, Islanders' caps and this bold uh, Blue Jackets, it's kind of leaning more towards we know what team should push play, but it's whether or not the team that's just going to protect the house is going to leak enough to like uh, we know the Lightning are going to fucking kill the Blue Jackets in terms of shot attempts, shots on goal, shots in high danger areas, time of possession, all that stuff. But is it going to be? Are they going to be able to generate enough, you know, chances in open space to actually be able to beat Corpus out on the defense, or are these like cheap goals the Blue Jackets could get off a weird deflection going to be enough to last them? And it was enough to help them in the in the Maple Leaf series. It was enough to help them last year against the the Lightning. And again, Lightning have played six playoff games the last two years against the Blue Jackets, and they've won one in five overtimes, and they were losing going into the third period of that game. So like. I really like. I know we want to talk about the lighting, just throwing all the shots on the, the Blue Jackets, but I don't think it's just the Blue Jackets getting. Light. It's not like the Lightning are hitting the post left and right. It's not like it's, you know, end end rushes and Corpus is making all these like rolling over Dominic Hasek saves. It is he's made some saves, but again, five overtimes there's bound to be some saves you got to make. Uh, I think it's just a lot of. I think I think Tortorella's a good coach. I mean, it's a lot He's of annoying. saves. Yeah. It's a lot of saves. Yeah, Tortorella, like, we all hate Tortorella, but the fucking guy can coach. I, I really don't, I don't know. Oh, if, uh, I, yeah. I actually have more respect now for Tortorella than I did yeah, I mean, when he was ranked honestly, as Lightning's coach. Like, yeah, he's had nothing to work with here. Lightnings. Lightnings. <laughs> the Tampa Bay's Lightnings. You gotta love them. But no, but they, but honestly, they, and they have some fine forwards up front, but, like, when you look at, shouldn't be fucking beating the lightning or have a chance against or they shouldn't be this shouldn't even be close this is yeah like this if this was a run of the mill coach or if they didn't have any kind of defensive structure or like i know he gets a little bit of help because corpusell is a, you know he's not a bad goalie but like still it's a lot of but he's not a great goalie like he doesn't yeah, have a, a pedigree he doesn't have 
even like he's not a carry price. Right, he's not he's not Car- Carter Hart. I'm going to throw Carter Hart in there, but I mean, the thing is Carter Hart's a young guy with high expectations. He's yeah. got a reputation. Hmm? Or if you look at who's the, the backup in Washington. Oh, Oh, same soon. Well, he's supposed to be the, um, he's supposed to be the starter. Uh, I, he should be the starter. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't, he, I, yeah. I don't know why I think he may adopt. I forget. I know he wasn't, I thought he was supposed to be coming over, but later. he's got, he's got a very similar reputation to heart where he's got, huge, yeah. Like he's going to huge expectations. <laughs> like we'll talk about that series in a little bit, but him not playing is going to, I think going to hurt them, but no, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Like Hart is, yeah, I put them in the same boat. And Schuster can honestly like the Rangers goalie, which, uh, yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about the Rangers here, but so I think that like this round, there's going to be a lot of that. And like the Hawks and yeah. golden Knights, isn't going to be that Hawks golden Knight. I feel like the golden Knights are going to, even though, uh, they just Vegas. Just won't Today's game is today. close, but the, 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 the Blackhawks got smoked in the first one. Yeah. And I, they just, they're like talking about these lower seeds, being able to protect the house and play defense and try and win that way. But that's not the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks can't do that. So like, they're just going to get massacred by the goal or they should get massacred by the golden Knights. Um, but some of those other series, they're going to be really dumb. They are going to really question what hockey is with them. Cause like, I don't, that as coyote series, I, they got their, the coyotes got their 10th shot on goal with 10, 15 left in regulation. I think is what it was. 15-10 left in regulation. They're outshot 40-14 to 14 overall, and at 5-5, five and five, they're outshot 37-13. to 13. It was a 0-0 game until real late. And that was just a game where everybody watching was like, this is dumb. We all know the – like, everybody watching knows the Avs are the better team. And the Coyotes are just playing a very meticulous, boring brand of hockey that just doesn't, like, you know, the sport, I guess. I don't know. It's pretty annoying. It's pretty annoying that there are a couple of lose matchups in this round. And uh, I mean, sports are bad, Craig. Yeah, motherfucker. I know that. Everybody should know that. They should, yeah. We say it every week. So I, I wanted to mention two other things about this game. So uh, first, uh, Cam, you note here that Cam Atkinson was taken down on the penalty kill and got nothing. What do you think should have happened there? Because I think there should have been a penalty of some sort. Oh, it shouldn't have been a penalty I mean, shot. It should have been a penalty. should have been a penalty shot, yeah, because like. I think that would have been pretty awesome. I love an overtime. Penalty oh, that shot. would have been like, nuts such to call that, that an exciting goddamn moment. In five like, you're on the edge of your seat. That would have been because I think yeah he got pulled down because he had a shorthanded rush and the Lightning got that power play in the fifth overtime. So like if he had got he got mugged. If he had gotten a five overtime shorthanded penalty shot goal, that instantly like already becomes like one of the most famous NHL players like plays ever. I think. Like just based I on think so, yeah. like, yeah. Um, but I thought, uh, and I don't think he had a single shot on goal. Like I think that was going to be his only shot on goal, and he got taken down right before that, <laughs> and they got injured because I don't think he played today. Uh, but I he did not. It should have been a penalty at least. Like that should have at least been broken up. Uh, that should have at least been four on four. Like that shouldn't have been the Lightning kept going with the power play. But the Lightning too. Like in that game. They fucking got lucky because they passed up three golden opportunities to shoot like deep in the like that Ryan McDonough play at the end of the third overtime where he just coasted into the slot and then missed a pass from the slot rather than just taking a fucking shot when you've been playing hockey for six hours. Just shoot the puck. Shoot. So one time I agree with like those drunk ass flyers fans that gave shoot the fucking puck. And then like Andre Pallad had a couple times where he was like held onto the puck inside the dance around the net rather than shooting on that. Like I I don't know. The Lightning are just – they just look like a different team since that. I think they learned how to play defense during the regular season and they just kind of gave up on the season once the pause hit. That's kind of what it feels like. But 
what's did you want to talk about this uh this Milbear tweet oh I, absolutely <laughs> well not it, it, the tweets the secondary factor for me because i heard him say it twice during the game and i wanted i was screaming at my tv so i have already gone on the record complaining about how shitty mike Milbury has been as a color analyst oh, during yeah. these playoffs. Oh, yeah. he has been atrocious and he was you know he was awful in the round robin and the qualifying and he took it to another level during this lightning blue jackets game because it's pretty much known throughout the sports world that playoff overtime hockey is as exciting edgier seat sports as it gets right yeah. it is just the best and milbury milbury after the first overtime i think just starts to complain a little bit going like <laughs> ah you know i i don't know about all this like I think they should find a way to to end it after three overtimes or something. Just go three on three or uh, do a shootout. And, like, nobody said anything. They just let him go on his rant. And then he brings it up again <laughs> later on. And Boucher, Brian Boucher, felt the need to speak up and just be like, I don't think I agree with that, Mike. Like, he just is basically yeah. like, you know, the, the Stanley Cup's the hardest trophy to win in sports for a reason keep it that way keep it difficult to win and milbury apparently that wasn't enough for him so he went on to twitter later and i'm gonna pull up this this tweet oh which yeah it's just we got this uh, uh sean moore chef's kiss by the way uh sean moore friend oh, of the I... show yeah i just wanted to oh okay. sean moore's great i i saw this uh, uh, oh my god on another worldly night Another worldly night, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Another strong start. <laughs> it's a strong another start. worldly night. Space Needle is an appropriate backdrop. He's in Toronto. <laughs> the Space Needle's in Seattle. Insane Columbus TV game. God bless both teams for a great effort. Enough though. I believe we should end these games sooner via three on three or shoot out after a time. What do you think? Spelled W H A D D Y A. I real quick. I can't. I, this guy, what? he hit the cycle, by the way, he hit the tweet cycle. He's got uh wrong expression, uh, alludes to a landmark incorrectly, has a horrible suggestion that everybody disagrees with. And then has, I think he took this picture with a, a Polaroid, like a Polaroid camera as well. Like it's what oh, a Polaroid would have come out better than this. This thing. is this I, blurry. Yeah, I don't know. Walking like he, I think he was just walking and he just like didn't stop to take the picture. Just snapped it real quick. It's like good enough. You ever see like the photos where uh, like when you're walking by like an optometrist or like the mall or something? Or like, do you have astigmatism? And they show like the before and after pictures. This looks like the before picture with astigmatism of like this is what it looks like if you have. That's how fucking bad this image is. iPhone it's... two, <laughs> iPhone, iPhone three G, iPhone like I- I- over here. is what this took this picture. It was just not a good fucking picture. Also, a a digital camera from the year nineteen ninety eight. Razor. I got it. Yeah, he, t- he took it on his Motorola Razor. <laughs> By the way, it's horrible. It's so blurry. I mean, shouldn't a hockey guy? who's in Toronto know that it's not the space needle. He is just, my God, another worldly is just so bad. <laughs> just, in and of itself. There's so many things that would make this a bad tweet. 
But as you, yeah, he hit for the cycle. He got it's, he, it's phenomenal. He didn't get two words in, and he already fucked up. Just he already fucked. And also the idea, I hate Taking the idea. Taking it to the I hate the idea. Short enough the, the, the overtime in the playoffs. By the way, there is this is only an issue. Everybody hates it. Yeah, he's the only one who thinks he's... this is a good idea. Everybody else is pushed back, and now people are asking questions to like like reporters are asking questions to players. Like it's a commonly like held thing, and nobody and everybody's like, no, of course not. Of yeah. course we don't want to go to three on three or the shootout. But like. Nobody, only Milbury is calling for this. It is just him. Yeah, I, I was going to say, he's got to like, it's got to be like he's just tired old and doesn't want to be there. Like, because he knows. He sounds exhausted. I don't think he, he really wants not, to be there. Like, he I knows he lost him. And like, he's just All love for the game. Yeah. Yep. I agree. But I think it's like, just just don't be a cranky old <laughs> shithead. Yeah. And he's just being a cranky old shithead. He's like, just doing he the just exact opposite. He whines and moans the entire game. Like, I resent him so much because he actually makes me miss goddamn Pierre Maguire right oh. now and Eddie Olchick. I mean, Eddie Olchick was fine. I like he's Eddie Olchick. just like there. Yeah. He's just fine. He's just better fine. in studio. Like he, I, he is better yeah. in studio, but you know what? Just fine. Mm-hmm. Milbury is terrible. Like I was listening to Pierre earlier and envious of the Edmonton games because at least Pierre and Pierre is a creep. He's weird. He is off-putting. He keeps mentioning guys' secret histories that nobody needed to know about from when they were three years old and first picked up a hockey stick. But he loves the game. He loves talking about hockey. And I will take that any day of the week over this grouchy old man who doesn't want to be there, who wants to go assault more people at uh, at junior hockey games, at kids' hockey games. Because remember, that happened. Mm -hmm. Go make some more shitty Islanders traits. Oh, my God. What a garbage human being. Please stop. Please quit. Find another job. I do not share the Pierre sentiment, but I do agree that Milbury's got to get that. I try to watch him. That the Hawks Golden Knights game today, Pierre had a couple of times where he just cut off AJ McClexico, and it was just like the worst. Like, like I was waiting to see what AJ was Oh, you know, oh, you know, oh, you know. I was like, AJ was in the middle. Of, like, you could tell she was about to go on a really good port, and then Pierre was just like, oh, what a save! And like, just cut it. I was just like, all right, yeah. well, I don't want to fucking hear it. You gotta just, here. <laughs> just, you know what, though? At least he gives a shit. No, he does. You can tell Pierre still cares. Like, Milbury, you can actually tell he doesn't want to be there. He's just a, a husk of a man. Just, he's not he's a shell what he used to be so i'm telling you now just replace him with my favorite person on twitter oscars bartulis former <laughs> flyers defenseman who says no it doesn't matter what oscar says it's gonna be great it's cold yeah everybody loves I, it, it, it's a gold twitter account he uses oranges for the for the flyers it's it's perfect does that weird parenthesis thing that apparently uh all russian players do do we mean you guys it, we, we researched this we researched this in the BSH Slack. Yeah. I think that means that it's exceptionally funny. You're laughing a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there. that yeah, makes sense. It's like half the smile. Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, do you want to talk? Let's see. What, uh, uh, Kane's Bruins, since we're watching this game right now. The main thing I want to talk Going about on right now. was, uh, so game one, Yamarazic looked real fucking rough on that overtime winner. Uh, way off the angle. Like, literally left half the net open. That was, that was a bad one. Um that and also uh, Rob Burnmore, Rob the Bog, getting fined for correctly being able to complain about a call. Uh, did you see this? Did you hear about this? The Charlie uh, Carl game? Seen this? You heard about this? Yeah, I heard about this. This is bullshit. No bullshit, yeah. I'm, yeah, so Rod the Bod had a questionable, questionable Bruins goal that he challenged. And 
he, you know, he rightfully asked the ref, like, what am I, you know, challenging here? Like, what's the thing? And the ref's just like, take your pick. Yeah. Gave him two choices. It was either a hand pass or inter- goalie interference. Mm-hmm. And he... Rod couldn't get clarification on it. So he just kind of caught, you know, did a coin toss and said, well, I guess I'm going with the hand pass. And yep. they ended up saying, what well, I believe the ref's explanation was that the hand pass wasn't valid, but the goalie interference happened, but tough luck. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So the whole play was weird because it was, it was a play in front and the puck went off a Bruin, like a Bruin batted with their glove, landed in front of Mrazek. Mrazek covered it up, but then Anders Bjork poke checked it, like knocked it out of being covered up. And then Co- Coyle just let him. Yeah, Coyle put in the rebound. So, like, uh, it, it should have been covered up to begin with. If it wasn't covered up, it was knocked out with a hand pass because if it's not covered up, no Carolina player has possession. And it went from a Bruins player's hand to Bjork, like, knocking it free. Uh, so, like, one way or another, the puck should have, like, the Worcester should have stopped and the puck should have been going in. And Brendan Moore could have played other, either side. Yeah, he could have been like, well, you tell me which one it is, and then I'm going to challenge the other way around. Like, if you're calling it a hand pass, like, then it's not a goal. If you're calling goalie interference, I'm going to challenge the hand, like for a hand pass or whatever. And the, the refs didn't really fucking communicate. And then he just stated that and was like, this is kind of dumb, is it not? And then he got fined $25,000 pretty much because the refs were like, yeah, I don't know, you got to pick something. Like, not really helping him out. And then it's so bullshit. And again, it was a goal in a double overtime game. And then Brent Moore is just voicing his frustration because it's a pretty dumb situation. Like that goal shouldn't be going in in the first place. And it's one of those goals that it's determined out. Like, like watching that game, you know, that goal shouldn't have counted. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like it, any ref, any ref should have known to blow the whistle on that. And that's a frozen puck. Like, there's no way that puck should be poked out of Morazic's yeah, glove there. One, there's just no way that should ever happen. Yeah. And if it, like, it's, that's from right there. I don't even know if it's goalie interference, but it's just a blown whistle. I feel like it, there's, there's no way that should have resulted in Burnham getting a fine in that goal standing. Uh, just a crazy, I mean, just a weird development. Uh, yeah. Carolina, to their credit, did pay the fine for Rod the Bod. And that, a, a great tweet from the Carolina Hurricanes. They they posted uh, a picture of the check that they wrote to the NHL with the tweet, In Rod We Trust, which is uh, one of my favorite Simpsons references <laughs> from uh, Deep Space Homer. So fantastic Simpsons reference. Uh, and then it's just a great move to to write that check and to pay the fine for Rod the Bod there because, I mean, it was bullshitty and he should be allowed to speak his mind about how poor it was all handled. Like, shame on you, NHL, for finding him on that. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, I wonder if Carolina's going to use some of that check money to actually pay uh, John Forslund, too, or if they're just going to make uh, you know funny tweets about it. But that's not there. That's a, that's a joke for a different day. Oh, wow. Yeah, a little slam. Uh, what other series? Uh, Flame Stars, you got any feelings on that one? I picked the stars, uh, but again, I'm a little worried. What a toss-up series right there. I like the stars defensively, but I can see the Flames beating them. And also, I was not aware of, or I didn't really watch the West Round Robin because uh, you know, a lot of games going on. Uh, I was not aware of how little the stars scored in the opening round. So that kind of scares me a little bit, but I still I think the stars can uh, pull around and do it. Islanders caps. Let's talk a little bit about that. That Tom Wilson oh, Anders Lee fight we've all been waiting for, as you pointed out. The fight that we as ho- as a hockey world have been asking for for years now. Just waiting for <laughs> it really paid off. I, I just could, that series like, is going to be bloody. Tom Wilson just going out there, 
Tom Wilsoning the shit out of that game to start with. And like fighting Anders Lee, what is going on? It's bonkers game, but not bonkers in a good way. It was boring. Thankfully it was short. So the Flyers game didn't have to get delayed. That's the big thing. Yeah. What what did Bruins Hurricanes go yesterday? Three overtimes? Two overtimes? overtime and there was real concern. I think they were done. Like the uh, second game of the day was supposed to be at three and it got pushed back to like four. And then they were off the ice in time for... Yeah, it was Cavs Islanders. They were off the ice in time. Re- for, real yeah. efficient. Just getting out there. <laughs> <sighs> but I, I mean, the Islanders are such a boring, unexciting team. Uh, yeah. I hate the Islanders. I really I wonder... watching Islanders hockey. I hate this series. This series is going to be I hope it goes seven games. Yeah, I hope they just drain each other out. I mean, like, it's going to be rough to watch because it is going to be close like systematic boring ass hockey but i feel like the caps should win like a lot's made about barry trotz you know like knowing the caps and everything but i feel like shouldn't the caps know a little bit about what trotz is gonna do like shouldn't they kind of know his tricks of the trade too i don't know like I trotz mean, they is, should but but trotz is I probably mean, at the same time well at the same time like trotz has trotz and uh lou lamorello have really built this like defensive team and system that just annoys the shit out of people by being so goddamn boring and the caps are a team that's really built around scoring ability like they have some good defenders but they are built around the ability to to be able to score a lot you know alex ovechkin is the star for a reason and that's the islander specialty it's annoying like the other thing too is like it's annoying that they get the Caps in the first round who don't have Samsonov and they have Hopi in there who gave up two fucking egregious goals yesterday. Like two, that shot, That's the other that thing. Emily the Islanders goal are so, is so bad. The Islanders get the ugliest, grossest goals. But not, not even like unpleasant. good or greasy. Like that one, like the Everly goal is just lucky. That was literally Hopi had a seeing eye shot. Oh, th- that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, like it, they're it's, disgusting in that they're, they're just no skill involved. They just happen to get the bounces. Yeah. And then like, they just use their system to their advantage with it. It's just an, like that goal. And then Hopi play outplayed, uh, or he played, uh, the Bailey goal wrong. He, had a turnover on the pass, and then the Bailey shot was weak, and he missed it. So if Hopi's going to be letting in these fucking woofers, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a real, it could be a real quick series. But, god damn. I mean, the Islanders are real annoying. And uh, I kind of hope the Islanders and Blue Jackets just play each other in a series, and then they just play, like, six overtime games in each series, and and then just die from exhaustion. And then that's it. Like, they're both just eliminated. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. We'll see what happens. It's not likely. Yeah, it's not. We'll see. But they'll definitely uh, they'll definitely out defense the shit out of each other. That's gonna be like a seven game series, but there's only seven goals scored, and we're all gonna want to go home. And speaking of that type of series, uh, yeah, Colorado uh, Arizona again. I mean, that's just gonna be. We've already talked enough about this. There's not really gonna be uh, any more to it. But that series is just gonna be a lot of how much can Kempers bail out the Coyotes because they're really that's a big not match. Enough. yeah and the canuck series too like uh I, I picked the blues but i could see the canucks pulling that out now uh, I mean, oh, that, that one pissed me off i, I can't <laughs> yeah. read the canucks at all i can't I, read the canucks and i had a I had a nice little parlay going last night should have cashed out early but no it just had to hold on and see if the blues could beat the canucks and they did not uh the i mean i thought the blues outplayed the canucks in that game the canucks just got a lot of 
bounces and took advantage of pretty much every scoring opportunity. I saw Bennington. Yeah, Bennington didn't really have the best. I saw him get with the goal to Troy Stetcher, um, and I wanted to. It's your boy, Bennington. Yeah, yeah. A little, a little pulling off. Uh, yeah, not exactly looking too hot there. So we'll see how Bennington looks in this postseason. I kind of. I would throw away my picks for, pick for the Blues to win if it meant Bennington posted like a 600 save percentage. I'll take that. I don't know. He still kind of rubs me the wrong way. But I wanted to – the only thing I really wanted to point out in this series was the goal. So the one goal that Bennington looked real bad on last night, the Troy Stetcher goal, was uh, Troy Stetcher's celebration, and I put a link into the uh, outline to see if it was just – really emphatically like pointing to this guy and celebrating and it was because it was his first goal since his father passed away on father's day so it was just a you know human interaction note it was a it was a pretty big touching goal because he was uh i mean you could tell it meant a lot to him and then they had the post-game interview with his father passed away on father's day on father's day i believe that is yeah Oof. it's that is that's all yeah it's real shitty i mean that's and uh i to be honest I mean, I, I don't know how he's even. I don't know if I'll be playing in this tournament right now. Like, I don't know if I'll be playing in the postseason right now. But uh, it's good. I mean, good for him for talking, uh, toughing it out, and uh, just just wanted to point that out. And it, it was uh, something worth noting in that series because uh, again, only one game so far. And as Flyers fans, maybe that series doesn't necessarily uh, have the most important to us right now. But something I think people would have missed that was worth pointing out something that a lot of yeah, people I, didn't oh wait go ahead yeah i didn't have a second i pay a lot of attention and i had no idea yeah so i i caught that and i just i thought i said that real quick but then uh something that a lot of people saw and gave a lot of attention to was uh what's just lafreniere uh is gonna go to the new york rangers or he should be since the rangers won the first overall pick on uh what you're calling a rigged yeah i mean it was uh it's a little shady but you know it is new york it's a little shady yeah, so I, shady. Oh, I remember shady. reading a down. I, I read a down goes Brown piece earlier that day saying who, who the most rigged team he could possibly go to would be. And it was the Rangers. Oh, okay. So there you go. Uh, I mean, between that and listen, if you didn't see this hilariously stupid program at the NHL throughout there, which I am also convinced oh my God. that they rigged it so that it would be one of the teams in the qualifying round that gets it so they could have a second TV event. This was so pointless I only watched it because I had, I don't know. I wasn't doing anything else because it's COVID and quarantine. Great. So I just did a little workout and watched this stupid, pointless thing. And they had the guy from, I think Ernst and young bring the briefcase in. And then Gary Bettman got in there and the guy from Ernst and Young would hold up every ball as he fed it into the machine. And then they, and Gary Bettman would identify the logo. Like it was a quiz. Like it was, oh, that Gary, was, yeah. Are you still cognizant enough to know what a New York Rangers logo looks like? <laughs> it was the part. It, 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 oh, it was brutal. But the part that really, you know, makes it suspicious is when it came to the Rangers ball, it just went on in and he had to fish it out it a, and show it to everybody again. This ball was a little heavier. If it wasn't the, if it wasn't the ball that won it, it wouldn't be suspicious. But it was the ball that won it, so it was extremely suspicious. I thought it was weird when it happened. And then when they won it, apparently the Leafs, by the way, came with say, very close, according to slow motion analysis people, uh, from going up into that shoot. But the, the Rangers right. got it. Yeah, that, that sounds right that the Leafs would be just on the cusp of getting it and then ultimately not getting it. But uh, that kind of crazy. I mean, yeah, Kyle Dubas. 
If Kyle Dubas truly was a genius, he would have, you know, rigged that better. Yeah, no, he would have. No, he'll probably just trade for another backup goalie this offseason, and we'll read more about how the Leafs are contenders. But uh, looking at the Rangers, uh, I mean, them getting Lafreniere is fucking, I mean, it's kind of. It's not great, it's not great. but it's it's certainly better than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Better than the Penguins getting it, it, and honestly better than, like, a couple other teams getting it. And I'm not, like, I don't know, I'm not too worried about this right now and i don't know if fire fans or anybody else is really reacting to it that way like i don't know if rangers fans are talking shit or if fire fans are worried about <laughs> like how it's good a rangers the, fan uh loud obnoxious probably likes an obnoxious baseball team too uh rangers fans are usually yankees fans right and the mets usually go out that's there. my understanding that the, yeah i don't yeah yeah it's usually mets mets jets nets islanders yeah and then yeah and they you know they're all I well, now they used to all just be stuck with the Knicks, but now they have the, now they the Nets and the Knicks. Yeah, two bad basketball. Actually, I think the Nets will be fine a little bit, but yeah, the Knicks are still uh, still pretty bad. Um, but they like, I'm not too worried about this right now, and I don't really give a shit right now. Like, he'll definitely be a problem for the Flyers probably next year, you know, going forward and everything. And the Rangers, they can be good in terrorizing in a couple of years because uh, they do have. Panarin and Zabinajad, and they got some other skilled players up front, uh, and they're still going to get Vitaly Kravtsov and maybe a guy like Morgan Barron, too. And then on defense, that's their big issue, but they're going to get some money out the books here and then add. They get a bunch of good prospects on the uh, – Miles Lundquist, uh, Keandre Miller, uh, uh, Zach Jones, Joey Keane, like guys like this. Like The blue line is going to get better over time. They're going to have Shesterkin, too. So they could be good eventually in a couple years. But right now, I don't care. Because I feel like this should be what, like, the Penguins felt in 2017 when the Flyers got Patrick. Patrick wasn't nearly as hype. Like, Lafreniere is supposed to be pretty good. But, like, when the Flyers won the draft lottery in 2017, I don't think Penguins fans are like, oh, man, the Flyers could be pretty good in a couple years because the Penguins are in the middle of winning Stanley Cups. So, like, right now, the Flyers are pretty good. I don't give a fuck about the Rangers. It's not even when the Devils got Jack Hughes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I, I think this uh, – I think him not being a center is kind of help. Like, I'm, I'm fine with that, too, because the, the, the Rangers already have a couple good wings, and they really need help down the middle. And, again, like, the defense, we're still banking on them, their prospects being good. So, like, there's a lot of talent there with the Rangers, but there's still a lot of holes to fill in for them to actually be competitive and a contending team. And I know some people are pumped right now because they were in these playoffs, but these playoffs were pretty fucking weird because they were the 11th seed. And then also they got fucking walked in the, in the mini series. So there's still a while away. I'm not too worried about the Rangers quite yet, but Lafreniere is supposed to be uh pretty good. Uh, pretty good. So I was reading up trying to give uh, breakdowns of them or kind of give everybody a gauge of how talented he is. So, I uh, went to people that are a lot better at breakdown prospects than I am. Went to, uh, I saw Adam Herman of Blue Shirt Banner, SB Nation's Rangers website. Uh, he wrote about the Rangers probably taking Lafreniere after they won the draft lottery. Calls him the best prospect to come through Canadian juniors since Connor McDavid, which sounds a little crazy, but then you, you think about it. And uh, I mean, Nico Heischer wasn't nearly as good. Awesome Matthews played over in Switzerland. Um, Rasmus Dahlin played over in the SHL. And then last year was, yeah, Jack Hughes playing in through the USA system. So that's not as a shocking statement as you would think. Um, but like Corey Promen also said he wouldn't put him in the same class as Crosby, Crosby and McDavid. 
coming out of the draft, but he expects them to be like just underneath that tier. So again, like they're getting a really, really good player, but it's not they didn't they didn't get like the next McDavid or they didn't get the next. Well, it's kind of similar Crosby. to when they lucked into Capocaco also. I yeah, I would say I would say so. But Lafreniere is supposed to, like he's Capocaco is pretty good too. Um, but Lafreniere like, is supposed to be uh, like better than Capocaco, but not as good as not not like a, a generational like McDavid yeah he'll, he's but he's apparently supposed to be pretty good like he's going to be one of the better wingers in the league for a while um and again well, I, I hope he takes his good sweet time getting up here yeah take all the time in the world buddy uh you take uh, he's gonna be up here next year probably <laughs> but uh yeah, on that roster yeah yeah and also like again because like we're talking about the Rangers and Flyers like I this really doesn't bug me either because I don't this isn't the Flyers window right here like this isn't this is their first year of hopefully a contending window. And this is this year without, I mean, Farabee is just now really starting to get regular usage and ice time. And he's starting to look more like the player we should be seeing years to come. Uh, Morgan Frost is in here and Patrick and Lindblom have been injured and they should be on this team as well. So you're talking about three forwards that literally are on the team that could plop onto this team's depth to go with, Cam York, Bobby Brink, Igor Zamola, and you know, still coming up and Carter Hart and that. So I think the Flyers for a couple of years are fine. And I'm not really I'm not gonna go out of my way to worry about another team that like might be as good as the Flyers are in a couple of years, if that makes sense. Like it's just a weird thing to waste your time on. So I agree. All right. <laughs> five uh five years. Don't waste your time, Flyers fans. Yeah, don't just waste don't waste your time. That's a direct quote. To. It's a direct quote from Craig Forsyth. Don't waste, just don't even, don't even waste your breath. Uh, top five picks right now in the 2020 draft: Rangers going one, LA Kings are second, Senators with the pick from that they got from uh, the Sharks for the Carlson deal. Uh, they're picking third and fifth, and the Red Wings are picking fourth. Uh, I, we're gonna talk about two, uh, I guess, shakeups with organizations right now. But let's, uh, let's take some enjoyment and talking about the Penguins fallout, Stephen, because there's a. <laughs> oh, the fall going on. My, I just wanted to open up this. Uh, Sidney Crosby. I don't know if anybody knew this, but uh, he wears number eighty-seven because his birthday is August seventh. And if I didn't have to read that article every fucking August seventh of my life since he came into a league, I wouldn't know that. <laughs> but the nice change pace for this one was the mediocre Penguins uh, played a do-or-die game on his birthday, and they got knocked out. So in an inconceivable, like nobody could have imagined this, but Sidney Crosby has suffered a playoff series loss. On his birthday. Inconceivable. Yeah, just unbelievable. Like, nobody could have expected it. But also, and again, he just turned 33. A little bit older than 32. And he's only getting older. So that window, you know, it's not it's not slamming shut. But uh, Penguins know the, uh, you know, they're, they're smelling the smoke a little. I know the foundation is uh, starting to burn up a little bit. So it's uh, it's nice to see. And and to that extent. It was it was time for them to fly or die. And they could not fly because they're penguins. Because they're penguins. Yeah, they can't fly with birds. Big old ugly flightless birds uh but jim rutherford had some comments on uh his team in general and i got this from uh the ap associated press so uh he said quote you're waiting for the desperation from the drop of the puck and didn't come in the first period it didn't come in the second period and it was even worse in the third period there's something wrong if you don't have the drive in that point in time to win the series uh on crosby rutherford said uh sid's leadership never changes and his approach never changes to answer that directly i have no concerns there I think we do need a little more out of some of the other guys. And, you know, are they in a position to still give that leadership? 
whether it lead by example on the ice or in the room verbally, or do we need some other guys to step up and do more? Uh, and then also uh, Tim Rutherford on uh, the team and Justin Schultz, who said, quote, you don't need to be around hockey long to see that the group of guys we got on the ice and be puzzled about what that ha- what that was. Uh, I mean, he had a type of that. I know everybody picks on Jack and they have for a long time, but I think in that pairing that Justin Schultz had a lot more to give and it wasn't there. Did some of the players? Oh, it's his fault. Did some of the players feel they didn't want to put in that extra work to stay in the bubble longer? It's very, very disappointing, and changes need to be made. Going younger, where guys are eager to prove ourselves, is important, but we have to make sure we are doing it cautiously so we can transition on the fly and still be a contending team. So it looks like the Penguins are kind of battling that is... what the Flyers have been doing for, or what the Flyers were doing for a couple of years there of trying to rebuild on the fly. So hopefully. That goes just fine. I got to hit the Justin Schultz slam. Oh, man. For me, as a, a bitter Flyers fan, that is a full ticket to Flavortown, that quote right there. Oh, baby. Yeah, we need to get Guy Fiat on the phone because, man, uh, we're going to update him with all kinds of lingo that we can explain for Flavortown. Because that, uh, I just like it, too, because, like, you know, bro, like, you, you, these are your players. Like, you got these players, and, like, you chose them. You, you weren't handed these, too. You chose Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz. And also, it's just, like, you don't need to say that about, I don't know. Why are you defending Jack Johnson? Everything about this is Jack just Johnson, because he knows he can't get rid of that contract outside of a buyout. Yeah, so I guess he can just bury him. But, like, Justin Schultz, too, I guess if you wanted to, like, you can't have that comment and be like, all right, ignore what I said about him. You want to give me stuff for him? Like, that's just not, you can't, I don't know. That's just not going to work either. But I... You know, I, do what you got to do, Penguins. You, I think you're uh, – I'm excited for the next stages of the Penguins because I think we're going to have a couple more years here where they kind of are a borderline playoff team maybe. And then a couple bad playoff losses. City kind of forgets what Crosby and Malkin done. There's going to be a lot of dumb articles written about whether or not it's time to move on from them. I think it could be a beautiful thing. I don't know. I'm well, getting a little ahead of myself. This is, like, this is like when – a few years ago when, like, I don't know, Andrew McDonald being a, a shitty hockey player would come up to Hextall and Hextall would be like, Andrew's a locker room presence, blah, 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 solid defenseman. Like, people would come out and say, why doesn't Ron Hextall just say that Andrew McDonald's a turd out there? Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. And, like, for some reason, Jim Rutherford, I'm sure the fans are eating this up, but from an outsider perspective and specifically as a penguin hater, I love this. Oh yeah. And I think it's hilarious. Like, cause a GM just shouldn't do that. You have to yep. co- toe the company line. You have to play the PR game and he is just not doing that. He's just a cranky old man yelling right now. And I love it. Yeah. And again, like, uh, like this is Jim Rutherford when he was in Carolina, really like, I, I know he won in 2006, but we talked about last year when the Hurricanes got deep, and you know it looks like they're about to buck this trend now because they actually have formed a good team. But they would go years without a playoff appearance, and then just get one deep playoff run, and that was kind of it. So it wasn't like he really built a consistent winner down in Carolina, and he came here and he made the Kessel trade, which worked out really well, and then just kind of kept pressing buttons to let them win in 2016-17. But like he's made a lot of questionable like. I don't know. It's just a lot of decisions that kind of backfired. And like people were pumped about that Tanev signing this summer. And like he didn't fucking do anything. And like the trick getting like, out. You can really sum, you can really sum Rutherford up by he made the Kessel trade and he made the Kessel trade. 
that's kind of yeah and one of them worked really well and now at this phase i mean like i i thought we we're gonna see uh pierre olivier joseph like at some point in the playoffs but him not playing at all and also gal card being gone like you just lost kessel this year is pretty much what happened and again there are concerns about kessel overall in terms of like how much underlying numbers wise he's done for you but he can still score a little maybe not this much this year in arizona but i you put him on a team that can score he will um i don't know like they i'm just it's funny what's happened to the penguins so on top of those quotes too uh they're keeping mike sullivan which again pittsburgh is so out of it i saw people calling for mike sullivan's head which why uh but the only thing i saw that could really you could blame on sullivan was just throwing murray in there when clearly tristan yari was which the guy i mean again yeah and uh oh fuck steve I, the the quote uh, that he found uh that he sent me uh, who whoever yeah, said, okay yeah so that was in i was reading an athletic article today and it was just an in-depth like let's look at the shit show that's the penguins right now kind of, kind of article. <laughs> hell yeah so i gotta like, read that too <laughs> there was a specific quote in there uh that says so uh, what do you what do they say if you have two goalies you don't have one a penguins player said after the season it just seemed like the people in charge wanted matt to be the one but we played better for whatever reason when yari played that's how it looked to me i guess coaches saw something different yeah that sounds like they got their old uh they got their own version of wentz foals so it sounds like going on there you know i think that's <laughs> what that no but like murray like he he just does look bad and i mean he had a bunch of bad goals in that series against the Canadians and uh, he looked pretty good during the cup fronts. Uh, now they're in a weird position with him because do you commit to him even though he was a pretty hyped up goalie coming out of uh, as a prospect and then he had the first couple good seasons here where he made big timely saves or do you stick with uh, Jari who had a pretty good season and looks to like that guy was just saying it seems like the Penguins play better in, him, in front of him. So hopefully I'm hoping management sticks with Murray and then the team kind of just gets pissed off about that. And then it just all kind of goes downhill. Like never forgotten. Yeah. Like Mark Andre Fleury <laughs> going to Vegas and killing it. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is they did that, but then they had Murray who stepped in and was great. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. Um, it, that was a Rob Rossi and Josh Joey uh, piece. Okay. On oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, like, well, so, but the, the thing is, is like they, their team is just, the team overall is getting worse. Like this year they had that nice run when Crosby was out. But that was a lot of Jari just going fucking ham. Like they went eighteen and ten when Crosby was out, I think, and Jari had like a nine thirty save percentage. Like it was just him, you know, going nuts. But uh, besides all that, they uh, they're keeping Mike Sullivan, but they let go of three of their assistant coaches, most notably Mark Recchi, Sergey Gonchar, and then Jacques Martin. Uh, so Recchi joined the Penguins in 2014, became assistant coach in 2017. Gonchar joined in Pittsburgh in 2017 after the second cup run. Uh, no cups since Gonchar joined. Interesting, in my opinion. Uh, and then Martin joined uh, Pittsburgh back as Bilesma assistant back in 2013. Jesus. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that was the... Uh, End of the penguins. It's a long one. We got to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, fuck. Uh, Dale Town. Uh, we're going to do the Dale Town one real quick because I want to talk about our, uh, yeah. our off topic thing. So, Dale Town's out in Florida. And my whole thing Just was that total shit show down there. Yeah. My whole thing with that was uh, Bob's contract was bad. 
and nobody else remembers this mainly because I don't remember like the the guys that were involved with analytics back then. But Florida made a big push to be like the next big analytical team back in like 2015, 2016, around that time. I had a bunch of these guys that ran. Um, I don't know if it was War on Ice. I don't know if it was. It was an extra skater. I think it may have been War on Ice, or a bunch of Vancouver bloggers written in the analytics or whatever. Whatever. They all worked in the front office in Florida, where they all had a part in running like Florida's game plan using underlying numbers and everything. It became a whole thing. And they kind of got blamed for when Gerard Gallant uh, got fired and they couldn't give him a cab home. Like he just kind of got fired and was left at the arena. They pinned that on the analytics department. And then it became a whole thing where Darren Dreger was like, oh man, Dale Town, Dale Town can't do whatever he wants down there because the analytics crew is just really fighting it. He can't just get in there and like put his hands on it with his hockey knowledge and like pumping up all this shit, just making it sound like Dale Town was like, shackled up in terms of like making moves and he couldn't get out of like whatever situation it was in turns out dale town doesn't know what he's fucking like doing at all because when you look at the rest of these trades they're all he handed riley smith and jonathan marcheso to the vegas golden knights for like nothing for pretty much nothing he just gave them away and he had to leave he probably was going to lose one of them in the expansion draft but to throw both of them away is just dumb and then the panthers don't have they have forwards that can score. They don't have anything from the red line back. Like their defense, I don't. I'm not really a big fan of their top four going forward. And Bob, I don't trust for the next six years. So like they're kind of just in a weird, messy spot now. And I thought it was funny because years ago the numbers got blamed for it, and now it's just Dale Town is old and is throwing shit at the wall and nothing's working. So that was my whole turned around quick. What the. Uh, just the whole situation in Florida. Oh like, yeah, going into this season, they were talking. You know, we're going like, playoffs. Yeah, they got Coach Q. They got the goalie. They got Bob. It's it, it's it. Playoffs. That's and, it. and then they 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 couldn't even you know they barely put up a fight against the Islanders in the qualifiers. And the point, and to make a point about Quinville and Bob that I used to always say as my very minimal, for the sake of a defense defense I had for Haxtell was. The old saying is show me a good coach and I'll show you a good goalie. Or I'll show, show me a good goalie and I'll show you a good coach. Bob isn't making a save. Quinville isn't going to be able to do whatever the hell he wants strategy-wise. And that becomes the whole thing. So it was a little easier when Crawford was bailing out with uh, you know some big-ass saves every once in a while. It's a little harder knowing that Bob's going to let in a bunch of fucking goals where he's not sure if he stopped them or not. So that kind of, you know, Quinville's effectiveness kind of gets canceled out by how often Bob lets in some soft shit. So a uh, good system going on down there in Florida. But we need to talk. We need to talk about this and then get the hell out of here. <laughs> this is yes. This is a flyperbole marathon. We are of which we haven't seen in a while. It's been a while. Been a while, but also right. we, we needed it, in my opinion. So we needed this. We need one non-hockey thing because this is flyperbole after all. And if this is your first flyperbole, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> nice, uh, boom, got him. Eighty sting. Yeah, boom, roasted, great. Uh, so we we do like to talk about weird late 90s early 2000s bands and one of them came up in the news this week one of the one of the shittiest ones of that era you could argue <laughs> uh smash mouth was in the news this week because they performed at the sturgis motorcycle rally in south dakota and just tons of people out there maskless to see smash mouth <laughs> smash mouth i believe the singer got up uh and just yelled like "fuck COVID," yeah, baby, Something like that. Yeah, it's good stuff right there, guys. Imagine thinking, "I'm gonna risk the pandemic to hear 
Walking on the Sun live, or even worse, <laughs> to hear All Star live. You know, it, you you never really heard All Star until you've heard it live. And these are bikers. I think what bikers are listening to Smash Mouth. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, I wonder if it's just a thing where nobody else is performing. The bikers are like, "Fuck it." Let's get Smash Mouth at this point. We've reached the point now in quarantine where I'll even watch Smash Mouth live. <laughs> also, their covers are worse than their originals. We were talking about that before. <laughs> I'm a believer. And uh, what's the other one? Uh, fucking uh, got another one. Why can't we? Be oh, friends? God. Oh, God. Yeah. That guy's voice. It's just uh, it's something else. It's rough. But, yeah. <laughs> it is rough. But, you know, I mean, hey, some band needs to be making songs for the Shrek soundtracks. That's yeah. Yeah. Doing. I mean, that had to get filled out. So that's definitely like when I hear Smash Mouth, all I ever think of is Walking on the Sun in that album cover or like Shrek, like Shrek dancing to I'm a Believer. That's that's all I think about with Smash Mouth. And that was. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Donkey. <laughs> Donkey. All right. So- Donkey. In our in our like two minute yeah we, we got a uh, I mean we look this up very quickly Craig found my one of the best quotes I found in a while because we were talking about what's an original Smash Mouth song versus <laughs> cover and we determined that their covers are worse than their original songs but their original songs aren't very good yeah I can I can get down to walking on the sun but that's pretty much it but Craig found this Wikipedia quote uh, from their guitarist Greg Camp uh, about walking on the sun and what it was written about because if you've ever heard the song it's, you're like what the fuck is this song about I, it's it literally yeah by the way it's just a weird late 90s song yeah so we i i we looked it up because also uh you know people over our age men of a certain age you know ray romano tbs uh most of the songs that come out like i i don't know what songs are original or not anymore like there are a bunch of songs from the 90s that i thought were originals like growing up that turn out like natalie Ambrulio's uh torn apparently as a cover like that one like there wow, i did not know that well, again so like again like there's just a bunch of shit that like we were like growing up you're like oh, that's a pretty good song and then like years later oh, wow. so walking on the sun you know since smash mouth had a bunch of other ones i was like watch this be like some shitty one-hit wonder in the 80s that pumped this out and it was like some techno or like a like a disco hit or something but uh, apparently according to greg camp yeah like steve was saying the inspiration for walking on the sun again walking on the sun this is what he said. Uh, quote, Might as well be walking. <laughs> he did not say that. What he said was, quote, it was during the whole Rodney King thing. The song was basically a social and racial battle cry. It was sort of, can't we all get a long song for the time when I wrote it? It was just about all the things that were going on around me as a young person. And I'm like, God, what is going on? I don't understand why this is happening. It's like we might as well be walking around a planet on fire, and that's how it came about. By the way, uh, why can't we be friends is another one of their shitty covers. <laughs> right? Like, that's right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't understand why this is happening. It's <laughs> like we might as well be walking around a planet on fire. Look, that's if that's I, poetry. If I can retroactively go back, and uh, I'm just going to say it. I don't really need Smash Mouth's opinion on the whole Rodney King. To put it in his words, quote the whole Rodney King thing. Oh, Rodney King. So, like, you know, maybe you could have sit that one out, Smash Mouth. The song's a bop, uh, but you know, the lyrics, I, you know, maybe actually, I don't. It, the whole thing, I just, I still can't get. Like, isn't the video in like a bowling alley? Or I, I don't, I, I forget. But I just like, I like even, like, just the idea of like walking on the sun. There's got to be no fucking point to that. And you're telling me this Nimrod. 
like sat there. racial tension. <laughs> it's like you're telling me this guy I was like, you know what? I'm tired of the world right now. I'm just gonna pump out lyrics to walking on the sun and see if I can get some peace around it. Like that was that guy's mentality was write a shitty pop song and then like we gotta end police brutality. Let me write a song about walking <laughs> on the sun. Yeah, like God damn it. I uh, just that's that's Smash Mouth for you, though, you know? They're, uh... And they're going to end COVID through the I was going to say, like, how do you... That's what you write Walking on the Sun about, and then you're going to be at a fucking maskless biker rally in South Dakota, and, like, I... Just all just over the place. Wear a fucking mask all over the place. For the love of God. It's not hard. Just wear a mask. Good it's Lord. Good Lord. All right. <sighs> so this Let's is, go around. Uh, let's get the hell out of here. Um, The Seattle Kraken are named Everett Fitzhugh. Uh, they're play-by-play announcer their inaugural season he will become the first full-time black play-by-play guy in nhl history so that is that's, that's awesome. pretty good and that's a bigger step for yeah than fucking greg camp writing a song about rodney king so uh vegas gold Knights <laughs> have renewed their contract uh with the echl's fort wayne comments through the 2020-21 season and then if Genny Svechnikov stays in detroit on a one-year deal worth a cap hit of eight hundred seventy four thousand. 19th overall pick in 2015 had zero points in four games this season with the Detroit Rebels. Yeah, so I just that whole the whole Smash Mouth thing just blows my mind. I, I was I mean, that's, like when I saw this is what, yeah it was oh, amazing. This is one of my favorite off-topic things we've done in a hot minute. This, I, just, I amazing, amazing. Could not have turned out better. Like, could you just what like, a long episode? Yeah. Like what uh, random like I just I'm trying to think of like 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 semisonic. What was your idea for like closing time? And they're like, well, I was watching coverage of the Berlin Wall coming down, and I thought, guys, we got to come together. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not what happened at all. Just write your shitty pop song. We'll get out of here. Listen, we all know, we all know, Chumba Wumba <laughs> tub thumping about the fall of the Soviet Union. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like what? they got knocked down, but they'll get up again. And- Obviously, the hope. Vladimir Putin, Jesus Christ. Oh, that's enough. We have to go. We're going to go there. We're going to loop it. We have not had a two hour flip in a yeah. while. So, this is. Woo, I hope we have more. Mamma Jamma. I hope there are new people listening and they're like, this is it? All right. What are wrong with these people? Good God. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much for listening, sticking with us through this marathon. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.uu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Yes, you can. And uh, for each game this postseason, I will be doing a breakdown of uh, every goal scored, either four against the Flyers. Got kind of lucky last night. There were only three, so it was a little bit shorter. But just going in, breaking down how the plays develop and result in a goal and looking at who actually created the goal, uh, who's at fault on the defensive team, you know, shit like that. Trying to pick up on the little stuff that would make it worthwhile, and then also I'm going to start chipping in uh, article, other article ideas during the week, uh, on top of uh, two podcasts we have going right now. So yeah, look forward to all that. Yeah, uh, I don't think I'm, I'm not going to have anything else out for tomorrow, but next week I was going to hopefully write about uh, a couple other things as well. So uh, with the Hab series is still going on, yeah. All right. All right. Well- Sports are bad. You can reach me at Flyperbole or at Esteban, but for your hockey needs, make it Flyperbole. Be sure to check out the Flyers Forecast, our weekly Flyers preview show. Uh, we're going to amend it a little bit for the playoffs and do a little bit more like feedback, get some thoughts from people, talk a little bit more about the games. You know, It's, it's going to turn into more of a flight play, but yeah. uh, we'll try to keep it more hockey-focused on uh, 
this one. Oh, we were pretty on focus today. Oh, we were pretty good until Smash Mouth decided to break our minds. Yeah. I have no regrets about this. I don't either. I think the world needed to know about that little tidbit because... It ain't no joke. Okay. All right. You know what? (laughs) It's right there in the song. It ain't no joke. That means it's serious. It's for realsies. Uh, be sure to check out all the great podcast offerings we have on For BSH real. right now. We have BSH Radio. We have Checking Out the Competition. Kelly does such a great job with that. Mm-hmm. And I believe she's going to be putting out more of those uh, with the playoffs. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Bill Matz's post games, which are on Twitch now. So don't be looking for those on Facebook anymore. They are on Twitch. So check them out there. Bill does such a great job with the post game every time. And yeah, that's it. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. That's all we got. And it was a lot. But thanks for staying with us. We do appreciate it. Great year we've had from everybody. Hopefully the Flyers keep on keeping on and uh, take it to the Habs. So let's go Flyers. And uh, until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Hello everybody, this is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things. Like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell. And Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Fly over me. Fly over me. Fly over me.